Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 79 of the Whatever Show, and we have got a whole lot of shit to talk about tonight. This uh, is a show. This is a show. I mean, I don't know, honestly, it's going to take you like a good half an hour just to get through the links on the show notes if you're, you're following along at home, which you can do. Go to whatevershow.co slash 79, you'll find the show notes for the all the stuff we're going to talk about here, or, you know, it's probably in the notes in your podcast player if you have a decent podcast player, but yeah, whatever. Um, we got some Marvel news, lots and lots of Marvel news, actually. Uh... Fox cast Thanos. Uh, we as as Cable actually, so that gives that one a little a little bit away. But we'll talk about it some yeah. more. Yeah, way to bury the lead on that one. Yeah, fuck. Thor Ragnarok. We get a Thor Ragnarok trailer this week, and it's amazing. Um, Spider Man Homecoming. We're going to talk a little bit about diversity. Actually, we're going to talk about a lot a lot of diversity. I think on this episode <laughs> because we've got we got we some follow up news to last yeah we got some funny news. funny follow up from last week's news in DC. Um, I don't. I just don't even know DC. Just I don't even know. We have got the probably the piece de resistance for this episode. We're going to talk about Star Wars: Last Jedi. There is a new trailer out. It is so fantastic. Uh, I don't want to spoil the news for anybody, but we really liked it. Uh, we're going to talk in depth about that, and we got another trailer too: Battlefront Two. Yeah, video game trailer. Bam. Um, I, this is this is this show is going to be fun because, um, well millions of people are going to wake up tomorrow and you know celebrate the resurrection of christ i'm 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 just celebrating the resurrection of the, the star wars franchise <laughs> not, not even necessarily the resurrection but um the, the you know there's a second coming and it's mostly because i watched that trailer twice <laughs> uh, uh, <touché>. <laughs> i see what you did there uh, sacrilegious sacrilegious yeah um sacrilegious We've got uh, we've got a, a couple of more things. We got some Fantastic Beast news. We've got TV to talk about. We've got whole bunches of comic book stuff to talk about, and we've got some uh, WWE stuff this week. We did not we we failed in our classic match rewatch this week, but we figured there's so much show you won't even notice. We have a lot of show this week, so if we tried to watch a match and then talk about that, um, we wouldn't a just, do the match justice and b um, do you guys any justice because the show would be three hours long. Yeah, we'd be here till next Easter Sunday. So uh, anyway. Lots of good stuff coming up. Stick around. So, Marvel. Mar- oh, no, no, no. Let's start with the bitching. Can we start with the bitching? Yeah. This is a fun one. I really want to bitch about this, this too. This is, well, actually, this is nothing to bitch about. This is actually, this is actually a, an interesting um, and fun thing for um, those of you who may be like us forward thinking people. Well, no, no, no. Let's, let's just stop. I, I know you conservatives out there are concerned with rampant government spending. I know that you're, you are upset because the government keeps blowing money on all these trivial things like uh, Medicaid and uh, school lunches for children and, uh, you know, anything that's not blowing up uh, brown people. So I, I know you're upset, I, I, is the point. Uh, we, we've really got to rein in the spending. And fortunately, we've got a site that will help you do that. Yeah, somebody has actually created a site. Um, the URL is is Trump at org. Um, and it's, it's great. You, you go to the site and it, it tells you right up front, either he's there or he's not. It's a yes or no question. Um, to the left though is, is a really interesting, um, figure because the left is actually a cumulative total of what taxpayers have paid to send Trump to his own resort, uh, since he, he took office. Um, and this isn't just a, a made up number. Like this is actually a, um, breakdown that we get from the governmental accountability office report from the white house yep so, so 
Um, and, and then if you look at the right hand side of the page, it actually has a little drop down box and it tells you, um, what could this amount of money have paid for? Like you can choose meals on wheels and it says, Oh, this would have paid for 9,000 meals on wheels recipients. Yeah. Which when we say recipients, it should be noted that those are not 9,000 meals, but 9,000 meals recipients as in multiple meals per recipient, which, yeah. So it's probably actually 27,000 meals. If I don't we're know doing how much, square. um, if we wanted to do say like national park service, Oh, yeah. 322 salaries. It's a good thing, though, Trump froze those salaries at the beginning of his term as president Yeah, um, because we can't afford that. Can't yeah. afford that. Got to go play golf at the Mar-a-Lago. Want to go to school, but you can't afford to pay for it yourself? Uh, 7,000 Pell Grants could have been granted. Ooh, that's that's fun, too. You know, I, what I've loved, actually, is seeing the uh, um, sheer amount of unadulterated and, and completely fucked up capitalism that is the school lunch program lately and seeing how, what what extremes um, some parts of the, this country are going to and shaming those children who cannot pay for their school lunches or, like my kids, probably just had their fucking parents forget to pay the thing. Um, 61,000 children could be fed per year. And this is taken into consideration that most public schools now actually feed children breakfast and lunch. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's you know one hundred and twenty two thousand meals. And that is and that is just thirteen weeks as Donald Trump uh, with Donald Trump's presidency. And we're not you know what we're not we're not even talking about uh, fucking um, um, what's her name um, what's the wife is that Melania yeah Melania. Uh, yes. I can't remember because he wants to bang both Melania and Ivanka so hard I can't remember which is which. But um, it's, Melania, Melania you know, is the wife, Ivanka is the daughter, and Ivana is Ivanka's mom, the ex-wife. Right, the ex-wife, and then um, the kid. I mean, they've got to stay in New York, so uh, that's not even including I've the amount of money who played Ivana in the second season. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm I'm confused as well. Um, but that that's that's not even including the amount of money we spend so that they can live in New York uh, because he's got to go to the exact right private school uh, that's perfect that because you know that's a thing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Anytime you're going to talk about fiscal conservatism and you're going to be a Republican and, and support Donald Trump, you might consider having him give up a golf weekend or two because that could uh, you know feed thousands of children per year. Yeah, and this is interesting too because I actually went to the Mar-a-Lago website. Interesting. Were, um, were you allowed in or were they were just like, show us a, your W-2 so we know you're not too poor? No, I, I got in. I got into the site. Uh, and, and then I went to, um, I'm, I'm trying to find out where I actually went. I, oh, I clicked on club, you yeah. know, because I want to join. Of course. No problem. And It's like um, 25 bucks a month or something probably? Yes, yeah, it's it's super cheap. Now, this was, this was yesterday. I clicked on become a member. It goes to um, the errors. Is, it, yeah, it gives you, it's a bad link. You get a runtime error when you go to it. So <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, unfortunately, you can't become a member of Mar-a-Lago if you are not already one. Wonderful. Um, so it's even more exclusionary. Yeah, yeah. Well, how else am I supposed to talk to the president? Um, I mean, if if I want to talk to the president, you don't. You do have to pay for an expensive. My computer club. has a webcam, so obviously it knows I'm white. So it should let me write into the site. I would, would think. You would think. You would think. Right. Um, anyway. Uh, th- that's just a little bit, a little piece of, um, politics, politics this week, you know? Yeah. We got to get control of that spending folks. That, I, that's I don't consider concern. this, I don't consider this a knock against, uh, against our, our president. I consider this a nice handy tool, uh, for those of us who pay taxes to, um, find out where some of our money's going. Interesting too, for the people who have made the argument that they're opposed to all of this undocumented immigration because of the amount it's costing us. Uh, I wonder how many undocumented, you know, how many months of undocumented immigration we could support on $25 million versus, uh, um, say, you know, Donald Trump going to golf. 
probably quite a bit. The other piece of this too is it does actually tell you um, how many weekends um, out of the total amount of weekends he's been president. He's been yeah. there, and, and at this weekend the total is seven weekends out of thirteen as president. Yeah, it's you know, and he, you know, Donald Trump is a very hard worker. He he criticized Obama very heavily about the amount of golf he played. Um, and he wasn't going to play golf. He won't. He won't play golf because he's he'll be too busy. He'll be too busy. Uh, yeah, definitely. Except for I think I think we may have actually hit a point where he's played more golf in the seven out of thirteen weekends that he's had as president than Obama, than Obama did Obama's the entire eight, eight, years. eight years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, this weekend's trip was especially interesting because I'm pretty sure he was just hanging his head out the door when he um, authorized the dropping of the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. No, I'm pretty sure. Like he had to, you know, hop on the back of the cart and they put up a blue green screen or something like that. And yeah. He was just like, uh, can we get this over with? I got a tea time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for that matter, does anybody know why we dropped a bomb on Afghanistan? I still don't. I've been we, following this a lot. I, I still do not understand. We this. found a Syria. We, I get. We found Osama bin Laden. Correct. I think so. He he. Yeah. Pretty and, sure that was like you know SEAL Team Six. There have been there have been movies, and, so it's probably true. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I don't know what the fuck we're doing there. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure what we're doing is uh, everybody was like, well, even though the Donald Trump, you know, this is actually kind of funny. Uh, John Kerry, John Kerry, yeah, John Kerry ran as a Democratic nominee in 2004. Um. He was a flip-flopper, though. Couldn't elect that guy flip-flopper. Just changed his mind on all the issues, flip-flopping left and right. And then um, we've got Donald Trump, and he very vocally is opposed to any sort of intervention in Syria. He tweets many, many times to President Obama that that would be an absolute travesty and various degrees of hyperbole, which is, you know, fun from Donald Trump's Twitter. Um, America gains nothing from this, he says. He says, yes, of course, only, only you know, a bad leader like Obama would possibly get involved in Syria. And it would be the beginning of World War Three and what have you. And Donald Trump completely reverses course this week and drops bombs on Syria. And uh, cable news says that's very pr- t- today. Donald Trump became president because uh, uh, although he was inaugurated months ago, now that he's fucking bombed some people, he's president. Um, that that's a very presidential action uh, to bomb people. And so I, I think Trump was like, "Dude, this is getting good ratings. Uh, drop the bigger one because I gotta get season two. We gotta get to season two, guys." Yeah, where where where, where do you want to drop it? Um, I don't know that place. Can you just where there's pick caves over there? Pick one with the brown people. What is it called? Uh, India? No, I don't think that's the one. Yeah, we, uh, we, we can't do that. What's the what's the one that sounds like a napkin that goes on your table or whatever? Uh, Afghan Afghanistan? Yeah. Okay. Fine. What what the fuck? I don't care. I got I got a tea time. Yeah. We gotta go. We gotta go, guys. <laughs> We're playing golf. Um. So yeah, lots of fun news in politics this week. Yeah, we might be at war pretty soon. We might. I guess Kim Jong Un is is going nuts, and China's you know getting ready to defend anybody that this is going to be the with them and world's most ridiculous pissing contest between two people with the largest egos in the entire universe that have absolutely no deserved reason to have those egos who do you think has bigger hands between the two i don't know i suspect they're both tiny i have to say kim jong-un probably has the edge on that one i think that t- i think that there's going to be some sort of peace co- talk and donald trump's going to fly into north korea and he's going to land and they're going to have dinner and he's going to be sitting down and he's going to be like finally a normal size fucking fork because it's the only fork in the entire free world not free world in the entire world that's sized perfectly for donald trump because kim jong probably also has tiny tiny little hands yeah that girl's hands i don't know man i don't know what's going on right now but it's no uh, I, I think that is legitimately what is going on my, my theory goes no deeper than this it's not some grand conspiracy my theory is simply donald trump is a massive gigantic fucking narcissist and he's figured out that people like when he blows stuff up and so he's like blowing stuff up is like 
uh, you know, the, the biggest, like, uh, um, you know, way I can show my inherent masculinity or whatever. And people seem to like it. So I'm pretty gonna sure go ahead and do that. Melania is quoted as saying that when he shot missiles into Syria, it was the first time Donald's dick has been hard in the last 12 years. So right. Pretty much. Yeah. He didn't even have to pee on me. Sub quote. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it was nice. I uh, didn't have to shower afterwards. You still should. No, you you're never going to be clean. Should. You're you never going to be clean. <laughs> All right. This, this is getting off into the weeds. Let's move on. Let's talk Marvel. Um, um, yeah. So we have a cable. We do have a cable. And it's Thanos. And one of the more, um, not what I would have guessed, casting maneuvers, although still I think totally cool. Like Josh Brolin, I think, is going to make a pretty amazing cable. Um, yeah, I agree with that. But they cast they cast Josh Brolin, who is currently playing Thanos. Not exactly like his dance card's completely full, because his, his combined screen time for the run so far is probably all of about four minutes. Yeah, um, but he's, he's got a major role in, in Infinity, Infinity War. Infinity War, so. yeah. Um, but yeah, Thanos, Thanos is going to play Cable. I, I almost wonder if uh, Marvel still isn't at some point maybe going to step in and put the kibosh on this, just because of the fact that um, I they, wonder they've if got they a can. pretty staunch rule about like if you're this character in our universe, like you are not another character in this universe. And granted, See, Fox that's... owns the X Men, so it's not technically their universe, but it, I mean, it's almost pissing in their sandbox. Yeah, that's what I wonder too. Like, I, I do wonder if there's any sort of contract or sub clause or something like that where they can step in and just be like, "No, no, thanks, can't do that." Yeah, um, it's interesting. Um, but I, I, I totally agree with your assessment, though. I, I think Brolin will make an amazing fucking cable. Like, it honestly is a lot better than some of the rumors I'd heard, like Pierce Brosnan and Brad Pitt and stuff like that. Brosnan, Brosnan is he's got the aged, salty, salt and pepper kind of look, but he's not built like cable cable's no. fucking huge yeah and Brolin, honestly, i think can be huge i think the way to go with this was to get somebody probably in the early 40s that they can bulk up a little bit and and for the, the TV, dude from avatar would have been amazing but he's locked <laughs> up with avatar for the next yeah. fucking 16 years or something so but but i mean when it comes down to it like uh you can dye the guy's hair like and, and yeah. that'll be totally fine so yeah that, that that should be cool um next up in in this is the best title actually matt put this in here uh play stupid games win stupid prizes yeah uh tell us tell us about that one so um we talked last week about how um the artist for x-men gold number one uh god what is his his name um argian saif i I don't think you're gonna have to remember it because uh no one else will he's not gonna be around much longer um he uh was officially fired this last week um, after we we talked about the controversial uh, anti-Semitic and anti-Christian um, references he he drew into the the first issue of X Men Gold, um, we're not going to talk a ton about the particular references because we did cover those pretty extensively last week. But um, yeah, he was officially fired. He went on Facebook. Um, the first thing he did was was uh, just make one general post that said, "My career is over." Yeah, um, he was like, "I totally brought this on myself. I probably shouldn't have used this uh, story to pull it." No, that's not what happened. Yeah, he then was, <laughs> he was a douche. Then, in an interview, uh, made the comment that said, uh, "When the Jews are offended, there's no mercy." Which you know, if I was a guy that had just been fired for drawing anti-Semitic and, yeah. and anti-Christian uh, artwork, um. And I was trying to backpedal on that and say that I was remorseful about it. I don't know that I would, again, attack the Jews. No, look, it's fine. Because he started off with, um, and you know, black people, black people, I'm sure you've heard this. And this has made, you know, the inherent racism you face every day in America totally okay. But he said, no, it's fine. 
Uh, I don't hate Jew or Christian. I worked with him in 10 years. Uh, I got a lot of good friends, too. So it's fine. He's, I know black people. He's got some Jew yeah. friends. Like, I have a black friend. I've gay friends. So I can say the N-word. Um, yeah, and call people fags. Yeah. It, you, can, you can do that. You just have to. You get a friend, and then they give you the card. And then uh, when, when you drop the N-bomb... You have to show about, them the card. Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody gets offended. You show them the card, and you say, it, it's your black friend card. And then you're, you get out of jail. You get out of jail free. Um, and so same thing here. He shows his, he shows his card. He, I have a Jew friend. Um, I can say, you know, the, the Jews make fun of them, the big noses, et cetera. And, and no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not going to work again, at least for an American publisher. No. Uh, the one, ever. the one sort of, uh, bitter, bitter taste of this tea here is that, um, there was a post that I read, I think probably on Reddit in the Reddit thread for this. And that is that, um, now that he's basically known as a really public martyr for a stupid cause, there's a lot of places in the world where he can find a lot of work because he's sort of martyred himself over this, you know, really inane thing. But in Indonesia. other parts of the world, we'll get lots of sympathy yeah. and, uh, he, he will maybe not necessarily find work at, like in a Marvel publication or something like that. But don't, don't be surprised if you don't see him having a column in some, you know, backwater sort of, you know, bullshit country. Yeah. Maybe he could, uh, write for Breitbart. Uh, possibly. Except do cartoons. He could Breitbart. do political cartoons. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, I mean, if, if he wasn't delivering food to Breitbart, they would have him arrested. Um, they had a gay guy working for him for a while until he, you know, was quoted as being in death. favor of, yeah. of, uh, you know, underage men being molested by older gay men. I don't even want to, I don't, I don't know that I want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it happened. Um, so yeah, he's, um, he's blackballed, uh, you know, as far as, you know, American comedy. Here's, here's the sad part. He's a really talented artist. He is. The, the art in X-Men Gold, uh, number one is actually really good. It was, it was, it's actually some of the better art that I've seen in an X-Men comic in a while. Yeah. And, um, I believe we'll have his artwork in issue two and three, although I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Marvel's being very careful about vetting those particular issues before they go to print this time. Yeah, I read that you are correct. We will get at least two and three because at this point the, 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 the wheels are turning and it's he, he too had late. He finished to, those before they, yeah. they made their decision. And, so, and well, it's not even that he'd finished them. Uh, it's that it's too late. It's too late. Those yeah. books have already got to be, you know, sent to print and all that kind of shit. So, um, after that, they'll be replacing him with another artist whose name I can't remember. We're going to but... get a couple until they decide on a permanent replacement, I believe. So, like, up through issue nine, I think we'll have um, kind of rotating artists until we, we... And by ten, I think they're supposed to make yeah an official call on that. So, we will talk more about X-Men comics later in the show as well. Um, but for now, let's get to the bread and butter of the Marvel section. Dude, let's... Thor Ragnarok... It uh trailer dropped this week. This is the first like uh full trailer we've seen. I hope that every person that enjoyed this trailer linked it to Zack Snyder's Facebook. <laughs> I kinda did too. Uh because this trailer has everything that you want from a comic book movie. Like uh there's obviously a, a big bad. Uh there's obviously a super huge obstacle that our hero has to overcome. And even better, there's uh, some amazing levity. Yeah. So there's lots of cool parts that I want to talk about of this trailer. Number one is we were talking about this. We've actually talked about this on a couple of occasions. If you go back and read our um, past history, like I said, whatever.co slash whatever number you want to look at. Um, we've talked about Planet Hulk a lot mm -hmm. and Planet Hulk being something we didn't think they were ever going to do. 
Um, or at least I, I am pretty positive. I said, I don't think they're going to do planet Hulk anytime soon. And I'm not quite ready to eat those words, but I will say we're getting about as close as we're going to see it. You know, like this is definitely, if not inspired by, uh, no, this is definitely inspired by planet Hulk. And I think there's going to be some similar theming in that, even though it's not a Hulk movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this, this, this is, you're right. This is the closest we're going to get. Um, obviously the huge difference here is that, uh, in planet Hulk, he was, um, in space already because he he was fulfilling a mission for um nick fury yeah and then um reed richards tony stark and the rest of the illuminati um reprogrammed his shuttle to take him off to a distant planet um which was then knocked off course and he ended up on the planet that he was enslaved in and and turned into a gladiator kind of so to speak um in this particular incarnation like uh, this is the follow-up to him uh taken off at the end of uh age of ultron yeah um i kind of expect him to be in the place he's in almost of his own choosing i don't know if he's in they may <clears throat> not know, exactly may, but there, i think there, he there maybe may took be... off and then he ended up there kind of by mistake it, but it's yeah. not going to be like a i don't think we're going to find out that tony and a bunch of other guys in the mcu teamed up to get him off of there i think that he probably just you know maybe got knocked off course in a similar manner but yeah, he was basically headed off to space to some deserted planet or something like that. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. Or you know, maybe they do. Maybe they do have uh, um, a tie-in with that, and and you know, maybe there's like a video that because in in the Planet Hulk series, there's a video that plays on the monitor in the in the shuttle that he's in that was like, "Hey, we're still your friends. We're really sorry, but you know, you don't understand what a danger you present to the Earth, and we had to do something," kind of a thing. Yeah. Maybe that's there and we didn't know it. You know, uh, that would be. It could, it could, but I really, I don't think that's how they're going to go with that. Um, no, I think they villainized Tony <clears throat> enough in Civil War. It, I mean, the, the, the Tony's like the go-to guy for fucking shit up right now. Yeah. Like, uh, t- you have Civil War and then you have the events of uh, uh, Ultron. I mean, Ultron is largely Tony Stark's fucking doing yeah um, no you're not wrong so at this point if they wanted to keep him as like a hero they kind of got to keep quit throwing him under the bus quite so hard yeah so no the the hulk's role in in ragnarok i think is going to be a, a it is going to be what we get in terms of planet hulk yeah um that's that's pretty much the sum total of where that's going to be i think yeah i mean we could be wrong it could split off after after ragnarok and maybe hulk doesn't come back to earth and maybe it would be they, interesting because at least then we'd have uh, a possibility a of a Hulk movie, uh, which would be nice. I would I would like to see Ruffalo in an actual Hulk movie. Although if you Planet Hulk, we won't see Ruffalo more no. than twice. <laughs> we'll so. see CG Ruffalo Greenface, but whatever. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> let's talk about Hella a little bit, dude. Dude, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I got a massive fear boner from her. She, <laughs> she, she's she like I mentioned this in the last week, I think, uh, or the week before that. I totally confused Elizabeth Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen, with Kate Blanchett, um, which is insane because Kate Blanchett's got to have at least twenty years on her. But um, she looks amazing in this. Like she looks like she's probably going to be another one of. There's not a lot of Marvel villains so far in the in the main movies that are really standouts uh i'd say loki is one and i think she has the potential to be another one if nothing else this trailer opens up almost immediately with uh thor throwing the hammer at her and her catching it and crushing it yeah in her in her hand like i don't know i mean if that doesn't set a stage for a villain i don't know what what will and uh i don't know she looks amazing we don't get a whole lot of development or anything that i can really go into detail about with her but that sets up the next piece that i thought was really interesting about this trailer which is almost like a little bit unworthy thor feeling yeah i'm i'm not even gonna lie kate blanchett like as hella i can't even tell that that's galadriel 
Yeah, no, I can't. I can't. She looks really. She, She's uh, pretty hot. Th- that's one of the things I, I mean, it's no surprise that Kate Blanchett, it's where she at. She is at, she's a phenomenal actress and she does manage to, um, she's kind of one of those chameleon type people, uh, that, that manages to completely become the role they're in. And I don't, um, generally just immediately go, Oh, that's Kate Blanchett, you know? Yeah. And she's a month shy of, uh, of being 48 years old. So that's, you know, yeah. Uh, What's Un- unusual face? casting i think for that role and, Til- and tilda swinton they- is a lot she that's the only i think that reminds me is uh tilda swinton she reminds yeah. me a little kate blanchett mostly because tilda swinton's also that way in that um she just becomes whatever role she's in and i very er- rarely ever stop and think oh that's tilda swinton you know yeah <clears throat> yeah no i agree uh we we see the hammer being destroyed um yeah. we see there's obviously a battle um in Asgard and surrounding area. I, I'd go even a little bit further. We see like WMD's Asgardian style. It, it looks pretty brutal. Um, we get to see Loki in one, one quick cut, uh, man. And he looks every bit Loki. And I think this is going to be the movie actually that has Loki and Thor fighting together. Like <laughs> we're, we're going to get a full face turn. I think we are. I think we're going to, I think, I think a face turn is inevitable. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's going to be short lived and he'll, he'll, the heel turn will follow in whatever the next Thor project is, but maybe, I mean, I, I Hiddleston has made remarks, uh, that lead me to believe that he really doesn't have much interest in, in, in dragging the Loki character out because he feels like Loki is important enough that when he's there, um, it it would he, be. He's, I mean, he's he's important to the to the role, but he doesn't want to just be there to be there. So if if they did a face turn on Loki, I think it would be totally um, uh, uh perfect if they kill him off. Like I I think if they if they go that route, if they do a full face turn, and it's not just pure self preservation that Loki is fighting with Thor for, um, I I think killing him is probably a, a good way to go with that character. You can, you can have him take a bullet <laughs> for Thor. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. With Kate Blanchett's wicked looking claw scepter thing. Yeah. No, this 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 movie has uh a lot of a lot of things working in its favor. I'm I'm like here's the thing. We watched Justice League trailer a few weeks back, right? Yeah. And we're like, Oh man, this looks pretty good. Let's hope it doesn't suck. And then we get this trailer from from Thor and I'm like, Nope, I'm totally in. Yeah. Like I'm all in. <laughs> Immediately, almost. Yeah. Um, and and I, didn't, I didn't like the second Thor movie. Like we've no. talked about that. At ad na- yeah, ad nauseum. Yeah, and and it's just this this movie that we're like, yep, we're super excited for this movie. Like, there's no doubt in our mind it's going to be great. And then we look back at Justice League and we're like, yeah, it looks all right. Yeah, <laughs> I got to say the two trailers that dropped this week. We're going to talk about the other one shortly. Yeah, uh, yeah. It has me. I, I almost forgot Justice League existed. Yeah, yeah. Poor DC, man. We'll talk about DC here in a little bit. But uh, did you see the Elizabeth uh, Banks uh, tweet to Kate uh, Blanchett? I did. That's uh, funny. Uh, and a quote: "Bish stole my look." <laughs> um, bish. So, it was bish, 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 bish stole my look. Uh, so obviously, Elizabeth Banks is being a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, the article that Matt has hopefully put into the show notes for you to check out shows some side by sides with uh, Elizabeth Banks's Rita Repulsa setting next to Kate Blanchett's uh, Hella, and uh, they look hella similar. Yeah, I mean, I, it took me a long time to think of that Hella joke. That's yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll give you time to let that yeah, soak in. Just- Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Okay. Um, it, it it's cute. I mean, obviously she was. It was tongue in cheek, and and she 
you know, hashtag love you, yeah. you know, Kate. But, uh, it, I mean, they're similar. I don't, I don't want to say that 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 they're like directly. And I haven't seen Power Rangers obviously either, so I can't really um tell you what she even looks like through most of the movie. No, I, that's actually kind of a thorn in my side that I haven't seen that movie yet because as much as like. It hasn't like just smashed box office records or anything like that. I still uh, kind of want to see it. Like my kids been watching Power Rangers, the the little yeah, one. Yeah, I want to see it too, but I'm not expecting much. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting much at any point, but it looks it looks decent. Uh, do you do you want to do you want to hear the rumor that I heard that that maybe a spoiler, maybe not, because I don't know if it's true. I mean, I mean, yes, I've I've heard they teased uh Tommy for the sequel. Yeah, they kind of have to, and that it's going to be a girl. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I I figured they'd just get Jason David Frank. He'd, he'd just come back. He's like, no, I'm always the Green Ranger. I mean, I mean aside done, like, from the convention circuit, I don't know what he's doing right now. So. <laughs> they've done like 92 versions of the Green Ranger, and it's still always Jason David Frank. So, Dude, he even came back for like Power Rangers, like Dino Thunder. <clears throat> like he was like Dr. Tommy Oliver. He did. By that point, he was like, uh, do- like I can buy you kids beer, so let me be on the team. Like, um, anyway. Uh, yeah. I've met him. Yeah, actually, he's, he's, he's a pretty solid dude. I've heard he. I've heard conflicting accounts. Like if some some accounts are like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy, and then of course, um, uh, Billy Yost, who played the Blue Ranger, right? Who? Uh, uh, no, not. I don't think it's his first name is Billy. I think his, his name was name Billy. Billy. Uh, David Yost. I think David Yost. Yeah, um, David Yost is basically went on about how uh, he totally hazed him, hazed the shit out of him, like just straight up bullied him, really about uh, being gay. Yeah, and which nobody knew he was at the time. Yeah, uh, that was still when that wasn't like a a thing that happened quite a bit. Yeah, um, all the way back in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, that's weird, man. Um, he he was a solid dude when I met him. He was good to my kids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I have heard that he's extremely judgmental. Um, like because he's he's got some uh pretty hefty Christian uh values that he 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 tries to espouse on other people occasionally yeah so i don't know he didn't do that to me but that's you know because i paid him 20 bucks for his autograph or whatnot so probably so 20 bucks uh totally hail satan it was um, it was at a con he was super late too like he was late um you know that's coming back to his I've booth. Heard actually super late to everything well he when he came back to the booth he was with the bella twins when he came back and i'm like well what was going on back there no i don't blame him <laughs> and i'm like and then i saw the bella twins next to his booth and i was like well i stood in the fucking wrong line for the last hour like- <laughs> <laughs> all right our next piece of news spider-man homecoming's director john watts on the film's diversity he talks a little bit about uh casting this this film and i thought actually this is a Probably, again, uh, we hear, well, at least I hear at the Whatever Show, uh, think that this is kind of the right way to do diversity. And so what he essentially says is, um, I wanted to cast a, a, a set of actors who actually look like they came from a New York school. Because when you go into a New York school, or you know, many schools in America these days, you don't find nothing but white people. Um, so if yeah. you look at the old Spider-Man films, uh, you know, especially Toby's Spider-Man, uh, the, the, it's, it's white people. You know, you go into the school and it's white people and that's pretty much it. Uh, if you look at Spider-Man Homecoming, conversely, um, you know, there's Genki who is not Genki, but is obviously Genki, um, who's definitely not white. Um, the, uh, female in- love interests, heroines, whatever you want to call them, um, are definitely not white. Um, Donald Glover's in the movie. I mean, we, we've got lots of just not white people. And I think that makes a lot of sense because it, it's more, it's a lot more representative of actual society and that particularly the slice of the, the slice of it that they're trying to portray. Yeah, man, I grew up in little town, Oregon and yeah. like even we had a more diverse 
population that I, I mean, I, not even kidding you. I think we maybe had two black people in my school the entire time I went there, but we had a pretty healthy Latino population. Yeah, definitely. Like at this point, I think uh, the Latino population in America is underrepresented in a, in most things. Uh, African American population, popula- um, just everybody. I mean, like if you're not white, you're probably underrepresented in Hollywood in most cases. So I like this this type of thing because it wasn't like like they were like. Um, they they didn't do anything other than like show what's actually out there. Like yeah. it wasn't like they decided that they're going to do something crazy. Uh, you're not crazy, but it wasn't like uh, they decided that they're going to make Peter Parker black or something like that. It's just like, no, we need to show that the story, like how it would actually exist today if you went into a, a, you know, an American school. So yeah, I, I think if you walk into any school in Queens, like you're not going to see a whitewash population. No, I mean, absolutely not. It, it's just, it's crazy to think of that. So, uh, you know, good on them for doing this because uh, I think this is another good way that you, um, especially, you know, like just get people who probably don't want to be on the side of the fence where uh, this is a normal thing, like having a, a diverse cast. Um, I, I think this is the way you do it because I think I do think that if this is a good movie at all, people will like these characters and they won't realize that they're not white. Um, I know that's true uh, for a lot of things. Like I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Maybe it was on the show. I can't remember, but you know, like Star Wars. Um, it, it didn't really occur to me immediately that Ray being uh, female and being the, you know the hero of the story was not something that was entirely normal. Um, and then I thought about it, and I was like, oh man, that that's exactly you know, like if you want to advance you know uh, some of these causes, that's exactly it, the way you do it. It didn't it didn't strike me as as odd at first that she was the the heroine of the entire movie. Um, just because of the fact that when you look back at Star Wars, uh, the original trilogy, like the Leia character was such a strong female character that it, it I mean, it, it just, especially for its age, it, like yeah. the day, the day that they were making those movies, yeah. Leia was not a, um, common sort of archetype for a yeah. character in this, in that time frame. And this is not in the show notes either, but speaking of Princess Leia, um, you definitely owe it to yourself to look up the tribute that they did for her at the, uh, ultimate Star Wars convention, uh, in Orlando this past week. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was super touching. Uh, my wife actually is the first person I, that I actually saw posted on Facebook. So, you know, good on her for, you know, being a nerd. Yeah. Way to go. Um, saw some really interesting things uh, from that end too, which we will talk about when we get to the Star Wars section. But yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm I'm looking forward to this movie more and more. And like it, part of it is because it is uh, a different take on the character than we've seen uh, from the diverse cast to the fact that, man, this looks like Peter Parker in high school. Like they just, here's why I'm looking forward to it. Cause they're basically just making ultimate Spider-Man. Like they, they put, toby in high school in the first in the first one but like he was 40 yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like he just got back from his aarp meeting and then he had to get to physics or, or not physics but you know like social studies in, in his pm classes yeah and then uh and then they put uh andrew garfield andrew garfield yeah they put him in high school too in the first one but it was like it seemed weird and out of place and it was he was too cocksure for yeah, peter that, parker that's I the think. thing like he like, um he he fit the role a little bit more but they the the way that they characterized him was a little bit more uh he was too cool for peter parker yeah don't get me wrong i i fucking loved garfield as the character of spider-man i no, i think they nailed the the when he puts on the mask they kind of nailed him yeah um he was he was a lot quippier than toby was yeah but when when uh he's not in the mask when he's just peter i think they they went a little they made him a little too cool 
Yeah. Like he he needs to be a little bit more nerdy, a little bit more like socially awkward. Like honestly, that that whole scene with Flash, like I really expected him to like kick a skateboard up into his hands and like fucking pound Flash in the head with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it like surprised me. And you know, obviously it didn't happen, but like it it really like the way he portrayed Peter Parker, it wouldn't have surprised you if it did. No. So uh, yeah. All right. So should we talk DC? Um. Well, I'm gonna need another beer, but yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. DC. DC News. Uh, I guess we're gonna open up with a simple uh simple question, which is uh what the fuck. Uh, and and I'll let Matt tell me what the fuck exactly. This is why I needed a new beer. <laughs> <laughs> DC makes us want to drink. Uh, um, just so you know, DC. It does. So there's this crazy rumor going around now that we're not even going to get a Shazam movie. That I mean, they've already cast The Rock as Black Adam, and that's been a thing. And so for a while, they were tossing around the fact that, oh, we're going to do Shazam, but we're going to do a Black Adam movie first. So then The Rock will be in two movies and whatnot. And now um, he's been seen out to lunch with... Um, Henry Cavill a couple times, um, and the rumor mill started spinning that uh, he's actually going to be the big bad for the Man of Steel sequel, and that uh, Shazam is off the table at this point. Which again, what the fuck, DC? Like, I, I think they're they're just like, hey, The Rock seems like a big deal right now. Let's cast him for something. Well, he kind of looks like Black Adam. Okay, fine, deal. Um, no, uh, we're going to do this. Sh- What's a Shazam? I don't know. Just put him in with the put him in the Superman thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, not really just, sure what the, what the deal know. is with this. But, I mean, okay, so Shazam, kind of a tough sell, I think. Uh, but I think you have to make ballsy moves like that uh, if you're if you're going to actually be successful. Like, nobody knew that Guardians was going to be the hit that it was. See, that's what I was just going to say. You know? If Marvel said we're going to do, like, if, if this was Marvel running the show and they said we're going to do Shazam, uh, let's just pretend for a fact that, uh, for a second, that Shazam is a Marvel property. I'd have been like, oh, fuck yeah, that'll, that'll be fine. Um, see, but th- when it's DC, it's like, no, they're going to, they're going to screw this up. And then when we hear news, they're like, we're going to do Black Adam first. And I was like, oh, they're kind of screwing this up. And then now they're just like, oh, we'll, we'll just put him with the Superman thing. Well, um, and that's the thing, man, is, 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 I hate to fucking rub their dick in the dirt. You know, as, at as, this point, as it seems like that's do, their hobby, but like, be, well, here's, look, look at the things that DC does right. The CW shows that they're that that they've got going on right now. This is one of the best Mostly seasons. Okay, this yeah. is one of the best seasons of the CW shows that I've seen so far. Supergirl's off the fucking hook compared to the first season. The Flash is still great. Arrow's better than it has been in a few years. Legends kind of went out with a bang. I really enjoyed the um the the entire season of that, which by the way is available on Netflix now. If you want to catch up on the entire season, I'll get to it eventually. Um. Well, they got this crazy deal this year. Um, I found out it's eight days. So once the series ends, yeah, I heard that it's, too. it's eight days. It's up on Netflix. So Legends ended uh, a week and a half ago. It is officially out. I think that's the way to go, too. I think that, that, that especially for a smaller show like that. No, that and good on, can good only on get Netflix and CW for, for being able to come to terms on that. And, and uh, they probably learned this lesson because I don't know about, I, I'm going to guess a lot of fans are probably in my boat. And that is that uh, my first season of Arrow was on Netflix. And then yeah. I started watching season two actually after that. So. Supernatural was a big one for me uh, because I would not watch it throughout the course of the, of the year because I had a lot of other stuff going on. And I feel bad because I really do enjoy that show. Yeah. But. Especially for the podcast, like when we when we talk about it, Supernatural is not really one of the shows we talk about. So I would always wait for it to come out on Netflix and then catch up and then try and watch the current season. And I can't because a lot of the times it's not on until yeah later. So um, so good on them for doing that because eight days after the fact, summer reruns, no new shows. Like I can fucking binge a season of yeah, Flash for sure. or whatever. So yeah, but I, I mean DC just. 
every time I hear something from DC, it's just like, why are you, that doesn't make any sense. And it's not like Marvel where I'm like, oh, that, that's a little weird, but I think it'll probably work out okay. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. And DC's probably going to fuck it up because they have a track record of fucking things up at this point. So DC, uh, just stop. Just here's, stop. Here's the thing. If I'm DC right now, in, in fact, DC, if you're listening, this is my advice. Jeff, I know you're listening. It's fine. Put a hold on the Man of Steel sequel. If rewrites are necessary, rewrite it. Whatever. That's fine. Go ahead and do the Black Adam movie. I don't give a shit. The Rock's going to... He's going to deliver on his end. Yeah, just make a decent movie. Like, I guess is where we're going with this. Just make a good Black Adam movie. It doesn't have to be a Shazam movie or whatnot. And just see where it takes you. And then, if you want to make him the big bad in in fucking Man of Steel... Because, honestly, Shazam is a... uh, Or uh, Black Adam is a good villain for Superman because Superman... Um, if they follow any kind of fucking logic from the comic book, Superman does have a pretty historic weakness against magics. Yeah. So, but if not, e- even if they don't follow that, um, the the thing that they could follow is that uh, Black Adam, Shazam, in their own rights, are are like hand to hand, like they're, on they're the power OP. level of 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 Superman. So, yeah. they could do that, especially because I think the um, current DC incarnation of Superman does not show Superman at, at like peak levels. So uh, that that could totally work. Um, it's just. They don't seem to get how to build their universe very effectively so far based on what it is they're producing and what timeframes they're coming out. Um, And part of that is just simply because they they can't make good, coherent movies and build the universe at the same time, uh, at least not from what we've seen so far. So anyway, DC, get your shit together. Yeah. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I actually just took my first sip of my beer. Uh, We're drinking uh, Wrecking Ball Stout by No Lie. God damn, it's amazing. It is really good, good isn't stuff. it? I like it. Um, stuff. Um, I, I've never had this one before, but it's tasty. Um, it's tasty to the point where make sure you're not driving anywhere because it's a hefty one. I think, what did you say? It was 9.5% or something like that? Yep. Yeah. It's tasty. Anyway. It's down from a strong wine. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some news that's actually fairly interesting, and, and, and I, I'm not, I don't hate it. I don't hate This actually, I I, I, I want to go so far as to say I like, because I think this will work. It, it, it'll it be weird for me, because I'm, I am I just saw this guy in Arrow. Uh, yep. But, uh, you know, I can I can put aside the fact that they're, you know, quote-unquote different universes. It's, or as uh, my friend Ezra Miller would say, it's the multiverse, man. Like, yeah. he's the Flash, and I'm the Flash, and we're both, we're both the Flash, man. Your Ezra is actually pretty spot on. <laughs> Anyway, that's because I I don't know if that has anything to do or is coincidental with the fact that Ezra is every stoner uh, um, uh, stereotype ever. But whatever. Yeah. Like if he was next to Cheech Marin, it wouldn't (laughs) surprise me at all. Like, yeah. Anyway, we're talking about Dolph Lundgren. Uh, Dolph Lundgren Lundgren was cast as the uh, The king of Zebel. Zebel. Okay, thank you. I I, I, I was like, Exebi, Exeb. I'm going to say Zebel. I think it's it's Zebel. I think it's Zebel, too. Um, it was cast as a Zebel King in Aquaman. So he, yeah, he is, um, going to be, uh, kind of ventricle because if Mira is in it as the love interest to Aquaman, then that's, the article makes it seem as though like he's laying a claim on Mira. I think in the comic books, she's actually the daughter of royalty, of Zebelian royalty. Yeah. Uh, Zebel is another kingdom of underwater folk, uh, much akin to the Atlanteans. Um, but they don't get along. They do not. They don't get along at all. Um, which I think Eddie's probably read enough Aquaman at this point that he's seen some of that bleed through. Briefly, yes. So, um, 
so that'll be an interesting take the fact that we're actually going to get the ruler of a different underwater kingdom um in addition to we're going to have a big bad in black adam so or not black adam black manta yeah um so yeah i'm I'm excited i'm I'm actually kind of excited uh i don't i mean it's an odd choice maybe but well, not, what not i'm curious about choice. here is um because blank black manta is probably the um preeminent uh villain for aquaman um but it wouldn't surprise me actually if this isn't something that they set up for a later movie as well like either that or they're going to do a quick you know little sort of like one and done side story uh, to set up the movie in aquaman and so on and so forth um with the zebel king but I, I, it could, it wouldn't surprise me if actually that was a setup for a, a, a movie coming soon. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if Black Manta doesn't have as large a role in this movie as we thought, and that, that Black Manta is going to be uh, a big bad, you know, later on. Because Black Manta has been a thorn in Aquaman's side for years, and they really haven't done a ton with the Zebel stuff. So if they brought Zebel in and 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 their king yeah. to kind of play the foil to Arthur at the onset of the Aquaman movie and then Black Manta becomes a much larger threat as the movie progresses. That that's that's a, that's a good way to go. That's how I'd do it. Yeah. You know, but I don't direct movies, so Alright. Alright. Uh I don't care enough about this to keep talking about this when there's Star Wars on the table. There is Star Wars on the table. And we're gonna talk about something different first. Yeah, so we got a trailer today, and it's not the one you're thinking of. Uh it's the Battlefront yeah. 2 trailer. Maybe. I mean, maybe you're thinking it if you're a big nerd like we are. Yeah, you could be. You, you could be like, oh, don't try to mislead I mean, me with your let's, stupid let's joke. Let's be fair. If yeah. you're listening to our show, you're probably... Uh, there might be a little bit of a beard on your neck. <laughs> might be. If not in spirit. Um, anyway, Battlefront 2. Um, so there is lots of interesting things in this trailer. Namely, that we are finally getting a single, play- single player campaign. Something sorely missing and lacking from uh, Battlefront's... Uh, a new uh the, the latest battlefront game um don't let let's, let me let me just kind of um i love battlefront when it first came out which i think a lot of people did yeah yeah but, but my biggest bitch was that it didn't have any kind of single player campaign whatsoever like it was great the online stuff and it's a beautiful game like it's it's well pretty that's to look my at. Big, that's my biggest bitch is that they did an amazing job but there's not nearly enough content in the game and of course a big part of that is lacking a single player but especially at the beginning uh and what you get with the base game is is really not a 60 dollar. you know like if you can find it on a sale um and it's like 30 bucks or something like that 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 to me makes sense i got the but, deluxe edition that came with my console same and that's uh i'm glad i did because had i paid full price for it i would have probably felt a little ripped off from it um it, it came with my darth vader console yeah i, I just got the regular one <laughs> um but uh th- that's one of the i guess chief complaints about the game is that there's not enough content for the base game and you kind of have to go all you know in off into the land of dlc to get a lot of content um and secondarily the, the other you know biggest complaint with the game and by far my biggest bitch about it because i still do really rather prefer playing sing- single player stuff um i don't get a lot of game time and when i do i don't want to spend half of it looking for group um so uh but besides the graphics can i tell you what it did right go ahead i i i used the um microphone function on it yeah a couple times playing i think maybe once with you and then a couple times with sam yeah uh, who's you know friend of the show he's been on before and I really like the fact that um, I don't have to listen to a bunch of twelve-year-olds call me a fucking faggot. It, it is a it is a bonus. Yes, you know what I mean. Like it really is like you group up with the people that you're playing with uh, from your friends list and whatnot, and then those are all you hear. Like you don't hear everybody else tell you how shitty you are the entire game, and 
I, I I will say graphics are really good. The gameplay mechanics are solid. Like no, it is it is a solid half a game. Like it, it, it did it, a lot of things right. It just didn't have the the single player content to like actually make me want to pick the game up and play it. You know, after the initial fad wore off. Yeah, and, and I I know there's a lot of people who like only buy Call of Duty or whatever um, you know shooter games just for the multiplayer content. And if that's you, don't you know enjoy your stuff. That's but cool. I, mean, I, I I want the single player stuff. Like I I much prefer the single player game. Um, I like to, I do like playing online sometimes. Um, but I'm, I, I'm kind of a lone wolf by nature though, so it's yeah. like. But but yeah, I vastly prefer the single player game. So and lacking that from the last Battlefront was a little bit disappointing. And then, like I said, just the general lack of content to begin with was a little rough. Um, this game looks to remedy that. It looks to me like we're getting not only a single player campaign, but I think we may be even getting a little bit of uh, different game modes and stuff like that, different yeah. ways to play the game. Um, one rumor that was heavily uh, in there is classes. We may be getting classes to characters, which would be a uh, return from, um, I don't remember if it was the original Battlefront or Republic Commando, that, oh, or maybe God. all of them. Uh, it's been um, a long time. I think the original those. Battlefront had some classes in it um, as well, but Jesus Christ. And and then um, the class system is something that, that's been in Star Wars games for a long time. Knights of the Royal yeah. Republic, um, all of those uh, games had classes. I believe um, the Jedi Knight yeah. uh, series the Jedi Academy, things like that. Like you, you, you got to pick classes and things like that. Um, and then, uh, the other big part of this too, is that this really spans all genres. And there was kind of a big, big, uh, battlefront. Actually, if you buy the missions, you get to go to Jakku, you can, um, play some, uh, mission on, um, what's the planet in rogue one, the end that they, Oh God, I don't remember where the, where the repository was. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah, I don't remember what what it was called, but yeah, I don't. I gotta watch that again. It is time. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I actually you, haven't watched it since. It's you, been you can available. play missions on there with that, you know, sort of like feel and, and theme. Um, but this one goes further than that. Like uh, one of the heroes you're gonna see that you haven't probably seen before, Darth Maul. God yeah. damn it! I I'm so sorry, guys. I have been kind of coughing all off and on, and it's coming through. So yeah, we got to see Darth Maul, and uh, it looked like maybe he was gonna fight Yoda. And I was like, well, that's that's a dream battle I never got to see. Like, yep. But then again, I didn't want to see episode one Yoda fight Darth Maul because episode one Yoda was that weird robot with the funky eyes. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this thing? Mm-hmm. It's like, it was like the, the fucking, like, you were in the toy aisle at Toys R Us and that was like the animatronic Yoda you could buy. I think and, in hindsight, I'm a little disappointed. Luke, that- Lucas was just like, let's do, let's do that. The rubber fucking puppet was a lot more believable, guys. <laughs> I, I think in hindsight, I'm a little disappointed that they ever really made Yoda this like flying, flipping fighter thing, um, and and they didn't just make him a completely ominous force master. Like at, at the point Yoda's at, I think he, he doesn't even need a lightsaber. Like, yeah, yeah, because anyway. we're only we're only talking like you know seventeen twenty to twenty years before he met Luke, um, and he was pretty feeble and decrepit. Then. Yeah, like and and that that was what he was in in Empire was like, oh yeah, you can't get your fucking fucking ship out, but guess what? I'm tiny and I can do it. Yeah, you know, um, he's he's the master, and I think that if if they they could have gone a different route with that, and it might have been a little bit better for storytelling, but that is the entire prequel trilogy summed up in a single sentence. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the Battlefront Two trailer does look fucking phenomenal. It looks pretty. Like honestly, um, the chick who's portrayed throughout the the trailer it's i I believe it's probably her story that that the single player mode is uh she takes her helmet off at one point and like it's really really like 
remember when when Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within came out and it was like, oh man, like you can barely tell they're CGI, even though like now you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this is totally fucking CGI. <laughs> you watch it and it's like comically comically bad compared to what we can do these days. Yeah, but yeah. like just when she takes her helmet off, I'm like, man, that could be an actress. And then there was a couple shots of like a CGI Hamill that was totally Hamill. Yeah. Um, so number one, the, the trailer does state that these are all game engine footage, which is yeah. a very big deal because, uh, game engine footage means those are things you might actually see on the screen versus renderings, which are, you know, like cutscenes and, you know, completely a different beast altogether. Um, so yeah, I, I was really excited about that. Uh, the graphics I think are getting amazing. And I mean, presumably they're showing the beefed up PC version of this, but I think even on the PS4, like, um, I, I mentioned that I, I'd played Horizon Zero Dawn relatively recently Mm -hmm. and that was uh, um sort of another one of those moments where i was like playing this game and i was talking to my wife and i was like can you just stop for a second can you just please come over here and look at look at this character because she's so lifelike and just even her hair um like i remember reading about and, and it's not as complicated as this but i remember reading about um merida for brave uh-huh. Uh, which is another redhead character. The the big challenge with doing Merida is doing her hair because it's so computationally difficult to render all of that. And while they use some tricks to get uh, the character from Horizon Zero Dawn to um you know be able to play like that, and her hair is not as detailed and stuff like that, it's still vastly better than what we've gotten previously. Which previously has been basically a hair skull cap. So did you download that or did you buy the physical copy? Uh, I didn't actually buy it. I just rented it for a weekend. Oh, did you? Damn it! I was gonna, I was gonna borrow. I that want it. I want it. Yeah. Um. Next time I have some cash, that that is definitely on. Like, I, I was really reluctant to give that one back. I, I've been, I've been perusing Steam sales and whatnot, so I haven't really done a lot on my PS4 lately. Yeah. But uh, and maybe we'll find time to talk about Steam sales too. But right now, let's talk about the meat and potatoes this entire podcast podcast like Dude. basically like Dude. everything that we talk about from here on out is gonna be downhill. But we we can't not talk about this anymore. Yeah, but stick around. The rest of the show is going to be great, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so this trailer dropped yesterday, and you know what trailer I'm talking about now. Um, you do. I, I may have even suggested to Eddie that he walk out of his job and just quit so he could go watch it at one point. He he definitely did, and honestly, <laughs> I had to stop, and I was like, does my family really need to eat? Because I, mean, I sent him the poster first. No, um, so n- number one, <laughs> this is probably my favorite poster for Star Wars, Ever. full stop. Yeah. Ever. Like, uh, there's a lot of things that this poster just does amazingly, amazingly well. I love it so much, uh, and I wanted to have my babies. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the trailer dropped this week, and, it, you know, if you weren't already on board, I just, I don't know what else can get you on board, but this trailer might do it. We just watched this trailer right before we actually started recording again. Um, this is not obviously the first time either of us has seen it over the last or the, day or and the half. 36th. Um, and you've never seen two men strip completely naked in the same room and be totally comfortable with it. <laughs> no. Like it's 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 no. pretty crazy. Um, it, it was upsetting for the children, but they'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they'll be in therapy for a few years, but, you know. Um, in case they have to do it, sweetie, just yeah. try not to look directly at them. Yeah, yeah. don't make eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a lot going on in this trailer. Uh, so much so that even though the trailer's only two minutes long, we're probably gonna miss we, stuff that we, I that that are that is definitely worthy of discussion. We but. start out with uh, some rocks, <laughs> obviously. Um, and then you pan out, um, you know, to reveal uh, what is fastly becoming probably my favorite character in the Star Wars universe at this point because she's really goddamn good at what she does. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously is Ray. I mean, Ray is, I think, she's such a good analog to Luke. Like, I, I know a lot of what we got from The Force Awakens was de- definitely trying to draw a- a parallels to um, that, you know, A New Hope. She's uh, she's decently an analog to Luke, but here's what she has that Luke doesn't. Like, she is so fucking confident. And, like, yeah. you know, he had a couple one-liners about Bullseye and Womp Rats back home and whatnot like that. But for the most part, he whined a fucking lot. And Ray, he, he did. Ray doesn't have any wine in her. Like, she's like, yeah, I want to wait for my parents to come back. And there's that whole thing. And, um, and honestly, I, I really enjoyed that exchange between her and uh, uh, Maz from the yeah. force awakens when mass is like, you know, they're not coming back. Right. Like, <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, but I'm still going to run away for a while. <laughs> but even that was like a, no, I feel for her. Like, obviously she's in a little bit of denial, yeah. but, um, it, it suits the character well. And it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like she wanted to go to Tashi station and pick up some power <laughs> That's converters. exactly where I was going. Fuck. Fuck. You beat <laughs> me to it. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I want to go to Tashi station and pick up some power converters. Okay. Which, uh, I, I heard Hamill talking about the other day and he deliberately did that as whiny as possible, you know, without being, you know, completely cheesed that they'd have to cut out. So. God damn it. That guy is so good. Like, he is. I love listening to him on podcasts and whatnot because he's such a fucking nerd. Like, like they cast the perfect person as Luke because he is the, like, oh, he's man. the guy that would have embraced this character. Like, if he didn't get cast anyway, like he would have been the first one in line to see. Yeah, the movie if when you it don't already out. love Luke Hamill or Luke Hamill, Luke Mark Hamill. Hamill, if you don't already love Mark Hamill, um, or if you do already love him, it doesn't really matter. Go listen to the latest episode he was on for the Nerdist because um, that's another thing that doesn't happen very often is that somebody will give an interview or talk about something that I didn't already know about Star Wars, and this was one that they did, and he he, he uh, is so interesting, and and just I had that same exact thought, and I think actually Hardwick actually says something along those lines to him of like you know what's cool about this is that you've become sort of this icon for general nerdery for the last you know 40 years now 40 years 30 years something like that um Uh, damn near 40 damn near 40 yeah it'll be it's 40 this year 77 yeah 77 uh so damn near 40 years and it's so cool because uh you you like one of us and he really is i mean maybe not about the specific things but when it comes down to it he definitely is like he grew up going to cons and shit like that but anyway um not just gonna talk about mark hamill uh because we're talking about the trailer but there's so much cool stuff in this like i will say that um uh, another podcast i was listening to do by friday very funny podcast um they were talking about uh it's kind of a challenge based podcast and they come up with you know semi weird practical stuff each week and this last week's challenge was cry about something and uh none of them actually you know did the homework cuz it's kind of hard to make yourself cry in advance but what they ended up actually talking about was things that make them cry things that make them tear up because at least two of the two of the panelists don't really cry about stuff and what was really funny that came up is they talked about the force awakens makes them cry and they were like Oh, when, when, when Han Solo and, and they're like, no, it's, and it's so funny because I had the same reaction in the theater and I have every single time since I've watched the movie, but I do, I do tear up. Like I get that foggy feeling. Um, and it's the same moment. And they were like, no, it's, it's when, it's when, uh, she pulls the saber. When she pulls the saber, it's like bets are off. My eyes get all glistening and I'm just like, Oh, you know, it's so cool. Um, and, and they talked about that on the, that last episode. And it, I had that same feeling because in this trailer, there's this moment where Ray's hands are on the ground and you hear, you hear Hamill g- breathe and, and she, and the, the rocks start to levitate a little bit yeah. off of the ground. Yeah. And it's just like that same sort of like, Oh, do it that, again. That gave me tingly's. It didn't, <clears throat> it didn't make me tear up. You know what? 
I, I can't explain that. This I don't is, know why it does. Subject, it is the, but... like just tingly, like sort of uh, awesome, like sheer awesome enough that it, it, it does elicit that feeling for me. What's funny is I'm I'm a month shy of, of being 39 years old and like I'm for the most part a pretty emotionally, I don't want to say vacant, but a pretty solid. Like I don't I don't like openly weep about a lot of things oh no i'm completely dead inside i never cry about anything but i when, can't make it through when, harry when, potter when ray pulls the saber I, I tear up a little i can't make it through um the uh the snape scene in in uh deathly hollows part two no if you can i, I assume you're actually voldemort you're like, some kind of beast I, from I hell. fucking can't like or any time that like <clears throat> he says always like when he when he talks about like the flashback scene and, yeah you know i i can't <laughs> like, it's just it's so hard like if i continue to talk about it now i will get all misty and shit <laughs> it, it's really funny because like on this podcast they were talking about this subject you know crying about things and and the, it was the same thing for a lot of them like uh, you know bad stuff will happen people will die in my life and i don't cry about stuff like that but like you watch the van gogh episode of doctor who and, and it's like I'm, I'm you know raining buckets i so. mean my, my kids can do it to me like it's weird like my, my <laughs> grandmother passed away five years ago and like i didn't cry when it happened and i didn't cry when i uh nah. talked to other people about it but when i had to tell my kids about it like then it made me cry because like same. i i have a lot of empathy with them i had that same experience but, that was another you know sort of funny thing because they talked about the same the same sort of thing it's it's weird how we're like that i guess yeah um you know like i, we, I don't know i guess we internalize it enough that we don't focus on us but when it's our kids you know breaking that little bit of innocence my, my kids can do it and like a really well-written comic book occasionally can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know um yeah we're, we're totally healthy it's fine but this um, this trailer though um, nothing about this trailer made me want to cry other than the fact that I'm just like somebody did it right again. Like, I know. And this was Ryan Johnson, right? This one, uh, Jurassic I Park guy. Think that's right, Jurassic yes. World guy. Yeah. Um, dude, what a daunting task. I mean, JJ. Um, God, I was listening to another podcast too. Um, with uh, this was an episode of Smodcast that I just actually listened to. Um, the last day or two. Um. And instead of uh, instead of it being uh, Scott Mosier with Kevin Smith, it was Matt Meyer from the Nerdist. Yeah, and they were talking about um, how JJ, the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars, like you can tell when you watch the two of them side by side, which franchise that JJ has a really deep affection for. Oh, it's easy to tell because he tried to turn one into the other a little bit. Yeah. Um, he didn't really know much about Star Trek, I don't think. And then, but even even though I do, I I, I do like the two thousand nine Star Trek movie. I do too. Um, it definitely didn't uh, come across as well to me as the Force Awakens did. And so, like when I watch the Force Awakens, I just feel like, um, oh, they the, the people who made this movie really get Star Wars. When I watch Star Trek, I don't get that same feeling. It's a good I, movie, but I I'm get not it. Like, oh man, I get this that feeling a... when I watch Star Trek Beyond. Because Beyond was written by Simon Beyond, Pegg. Beyond is a, is much more of a Star Trek right. movie than the other. So two. like it's it's kind of almost like a fan film that got a big budget, and that's the way I feel about Force Awakens. Like I feel like like Force Awakens, any one of us could have really put that movie together, and and I don't want to say any one of us could. That I mean that doesn't do JJ justice, but I mean like it. Like we get it, like we we connect to it on an emotional basis because like we feel like if given the opportunity, like we 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 could 
do it, it just, something. It, it feels it, it. I mean, this is hard to quantify, but the, the the simple fact that it feels like Star Wars. And there's a lot of there's tons and tons and tons of little things, little touches that they did to make that be the case. But it feels like Star Wars, and that's to me what makes me like it so much. But anyway, um, <clears throat> lots of stuff in this trailer. Number one, uh, dude, Kylo gets to keep his saber. I'm so happy to see Kylo with the the six saber. Um, yeah, um, I don't think he's gonna wear his mask anymore. I don't I think get so that either. Impression. Like I kind of get, I think we get that little bit of symbolism when you see Vader's mask broken. Like Kylo in the first movie is like uh, kind of doing a Vader cosplay a little bit, and I think that um, this movie he's going to lose that. You know, he's going to become his own thing. I which, think Snoke is going to make him less of a bitch. <clears throat> I think he kind of has to. I mean don't get me wrong Ray's a pretty awesome character but let's face it she should not know what the fuck she's doing and she kind of handed his ass to him uh, um and uh you know so he's got to go back like could you imagine you're Kylo Ren you're like I'm the baddest man in all of the galaxy and 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 Snoke's like who beat you and Kylo's like um some girl some girl uh and she's like Jedi girl and he's like no nah, she uh she actually handled a saber for a, a sum total of about four minutes and uh well, you know, she's pretty good at it. You know? Yeah. Um, that's kind of one of those things where a lot of people bitched about that particular aspect of, of The Force Awakens. But, I do think it was a little clumsy, but, but I'm uh, still on board. Well, honestly, I think what it does is it sets up that whole aspect of it. Like, the uh, like what happens to, you know, the, the supposed leader of the Knights of Ren um, when his boss finds out that he did get his ass handed to him by somebody who was as inexperienced as Ray was. I think um, it's time to go to like Snoke's school of not being a little bit. Well, I, I think it speaks to his impetuousness as, as a, a force user. I mean, obviously if you're uh, a Sith or a dark side uh, aligned force user, like you are a little bit more impetuous, like by nature, like you're not as controlled. You're not as, as, as disciplined. No, that I think they did really well in this movie. Like, in, in Force Awakens, they show Kylo, like, he built, the rage is what drives him. Yeah. Like, the rage is what essentially gives him his power. It's very dark side, um, which is cool. And it's something a little bit different than the Sith, too. God, you know what? And they'll never do it. But you know what? It would be great. Maybe they could do it as, like, an animated property or even do a comic book series of it. Like, I would really love to see the years that Luke was training uh, Ben and, and the rest of his group. Dude, couldn't you imagine that being, like... um <clears throat> This is going to become like the next, the next, uh, like everybody was talking about before the prequel trilogy came out. God, don't you just want to see how Anakin fell? Like how, how Anakin goes from Anakin to Darth Vader. And that's a little bit like I feel about how, uh, um, you know, Ben, uh, I just, it, they'll do a much better job of it, I think, this time around. But I think it, it is bring, a little I, bit of a parallel. I think that you do it as, like, like, as, as either like, uh, uh, maybe not an animated series. I don't, I don't know if that, if that's going to do the job. That was my second guess. If it's not a comic book, I thought the the next best place for it to be would probably be something like um, whatever the next version of the Clone Wars or since uh, also breaking news today, uh, I read that Star Wars Rebels is only doing four seasons. So um, whatever they do after so that, it's done then after this next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a comic book is the right medium to tell that story. I think you can it totally could a really, be a really good. good story. I think that's another one that's like, that's the perfect kind of story too. If you, you you just want your heart ripped out, like I think that's they could do such a good job with that. Well, and and comic books, man, art's so so important for that kind of a thing. Though I think you need to bring in the artist that can really capture uh, a, a 
a Princess Leia that's in between what we saw in Jedi and what we saw in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, you can obviously do that pretty well. They won't do it as a movie because they're not they they're not gonna do a, an artificial carry. No, at this point, thank you. So, don't don't do that. Um, but uh, but man, I would I would love to see that story. Anyway, let's this see this trailer has us off in the weeds like, it, it does. so much. But there's like, because so, there's so much good stuff. We haven't even talked about enough. more than the first second of the trailer. Like we we literally haven't. Like I love the the pan out of the island. You know when it when it first opens up and he's yeah just breathe yeah. You know, that whole thing. And then um, you see the whole, the, the pebbles around her hand start to. That's pretty badass. Yeah. It's fuck. And like, what's crazy is like, is this the first thing he's teaching her? Like, we don't know. We don't know what order this is shot in. Like, this is, um, by the way, Spider-Man Homecoming, this is how you do a trailer. Um, because we don't know what order things go in. Um, we don't still even really know the overall plot other than that Luke is teaching Ray. Like that's, this is our first confirmation that we know that Luke is, has taken her on as, um, a, an apprentice of sorts. I don't want to say Padawan because I don't think Luke knows what the fuck Padawan is and I don't want to hear that No, please anymore. don't. Please don't. There's no Padawan. Um, I got so much imagery in this. Um, the, um, the pod racing scene. <laughs> I don't want to call it a pod racing scene because that's not what it is. <laughs> um, but whatever those ships are that are skimming across that planet, like that's a new planet. Dude, that, um, that looks amazing. Like I love the color in that shot. Um, th- Ryan, this is another thing that I'm really excited about is that um, the the photography in these movies are, are just vastly better. than. What you know, I'm going to draw a parallel. Uh, I'm going to draw a parallel again to a, do a Star Trek movie. Uh, uh, Into Darkness, the, the first planet they're on. I thought the same thing. I yeah, thought the same thing. Nerd high five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I thought that was the the use of color and and stuff like that was really really well done in that scene and Ryan Johnson did confirm that that's that's a, a new planet that we've not uh, explored before so that's that's fun yeah which I think is a good thing they kind of I I kind of want them to do that um in each movie you know that's that's a thing that happened in the original trilogy that's the thing that I think they should keep up because that's another fun thing about Star Wars yeah. especially the original trilogy was that um. You really got to see a lot of different stuff that you, you know, you, you really had to use your imagination a little bit for. So, yeah, um, we see Ray um, looking into the future, or at least uh, it looks like that's what's happening. Excuse me. Um, yeah, you see the back of Leia's head. <laughs> you do. Um, which uh, this is another piece of news that should have gone in the show notes, but uh, it didn't. Uh, Leia. Uh, as in Carrie Fisher, confirmed for episode nine. So she saw some scenes already then. She's shot some scenes already. That's true. That is actually pretty amazing. Like I didn't, I didn't know that that had happened. Um, I'm, I'm scanning through this trailer on. Yeah. Um, on, on silent. So I can, I can pick up more pieces. <laughs> remember of some stuff. Uh, yeah, space battle. I've forgotten it. Yeah. It's, there's a space battle. There's definitely a space battle. Um, there's Scotland. <laughs> they do, they do, they go to space Scotland. They spend a lot of time there actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the space battle I'm really excited for too. That's another thing that we didn't get to see much of. I mean, we saw some starship battles, but it was like in orbit, which was also kind of a cool thing. Cause that's not really something we got. We didn't get X-wing battles in orbit in the, um, uh, original trilogy or anything like that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm also super excited because there's Kylo's helmet. yeah kylo's helmet is is another i don't know this whole trailer um there's that weird tree looking thing 
Yeah. The other big, big, I'd say part of this trailer is when, um, ah, uh, in the Ray, the Ray scene with the lightsaber. Yeah. Ray messing with the lightsaber, uh, next to Luke is it, it again, it's another thing that's just beautifully shot. Like it's such a good, like every part of this trailer is like, I just want to freeze frame it and like use that, as, you know, like it's almost art. And then, um, gosh, I just forgot. What I was going to oh, say the other man. big part. And then, and then Ray running with the saber. Mm-hmm. with a with a purpose that's so badass and then finn you see finn in that weird uh thing <laughs> oh yeah he the looks healing, like he the healing he went thing. to the same place that uh um fucking the winter soldier did yeah um i that honestly wouldn't surprise me if that's pretty close to one of the opening scenes of the movie and uh, no i think it's got to be but like i think i think like he's gonna go to wakanda and and then that's where you see it he's gonna he's gonna heal up next to uh uh uh, Sebastian Stan. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so now this, like, in the, in the, you know, they'll start off like they'll go grab a pod and it'll be Sebastian Stan is, and they're like, this is the wrong worst, pod, wrong pod. This, this is the, the worst one. trailer breakdown ever because we're just talking about all the different things that it makes us like <laughs> remember. <feel> yeah. And <laughs> but that that's actually a good illustration of why this is such a good trailer. It draws on so many emotions and immediately makes me want to see the movie so hard um, because no. it manages to connect to all these different things. Yeah, and do you remember? Do you remember <coughs> when um, the Force Awakens was just this thing that we knew was happening at some point, and and it was just called Episode Seven. We didn't know it was the Force Awakens, and then oh, we God, got that yes. we got that documentary that came out of Comic Con, oh, and God, yes. and we watched it, and we hadn't even seen footage from the movie. All we saw was just like the people that were in it talking about being in Star Wars, and we're like, they get it, yeah, they understand, and and th- this you know elicits the same sort of feeling. So it, it does. Um, the last bit, I think the big, the big bit in here is when towards the end of the trailer, uh, Luke says something like it's, it's time for, uh, the Jedi to end. end. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been a lot of speculation about this. One theory is that he is in the middle of a sentence and they just cut this for the trailer. So it sounds ominous. I don't think that's the case. No, I I think, I think that's how he feels. The only thing that I don't know for certain is if it was. If if that's him talking before that when he says I only know one thing for certain because I that almost sounds like it could be Kylo, you know I I think that it's him because that's another thing that I like is that when you listen to Mark Hamill talk, um like go like listen to the the Nerdist episode and you listen to Mark Hamill talk and listen to his cadence and how it, you know just subtle inflection in his voice and then you listen to him as Luke talking. It's so crazy to me how it's immediately like, oh, it's Luke again. You know, like, that's not Mark Hamill. That's Luke. Um, um, that's called acting. It, it is called acting. I mean, and, but, and, I mean, and I'm, not, I'm not giving you shit, obviously. But, like, uh, for those of you who don't know what acting is, that's acting. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, but th- that's what, how we do it. You know, obviously, Mark has done a lot of voice work. And that, that's what's impressive to me is that um, the, the way he uses his voice as such a big part of his character uh is is just fantastic but you know that that last bit this ominous but does it surprise you that the person who um was the joker for umpteen years on batman animated series before you knew it was mark hamill like oh no it doesn't i mean it doesn't surprise me i just wanted to highlight that piece because it's so good because i mean i'm not i'm not gonna lie like when i watched batman the animated series when it was in first round like i didn't know that was fucking mark hamill i didn't pay attention to the fucking credits or anything like that it was years later when somebody was like oh yeah that was luke skywalker i'm like the fuck what? it is no way <laughs> yeah. um no uh 
the you know the other thing I want to talk, but anyway, it's going back to that ominous line of it's it's time for the Jedi to end. The movie's called The Last Jedi. Uh, I really think they're going to pull some Empire shit here. Like I don't think I think our heroes are gonna, not going to be too happy with the end. Of, I think we're going to be feel like th- we did at the end of Empire. But but here's the thing: is he saying that it's time for the Jedi to end because he understands that like to establish the Jedi Order as it existed for thousands of years is is maybe not impossible but but highly highly improbable and that he's saying like my what i want it to be is that he's saying okay um the jedi order didn't work yeah and so we're going to take a new approach to it we're not saying that we're not going to have force users that are going to do things you know for good but we're not going to do things the way that they were done yeah, I mean, the Jedi are basically monks, and that's not necessarily uh, in line. Like, you don't have to be this crazy sort of, you know, celibate monk to they, be they a Force user. They weren't necessarily monks, though. Like, they ended up kind of almost being mercenaries, well, you know, for the government. And well, I that's... mean, it, it's weird, but when I say monks, I more just mean, like, the whole thing with, like, Anakin just wanted to go on a date, and the Jedi like, were flipping their shit about that shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, there's that aspect of things. So, I think that there's a couple of different ways they could play this. I think it's possible that we're either seeing something from the beginning of the movie, as in, like, no, I don't want to teach you. Step, just leave me alone. And then that's a thing that they have to work through, and 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 you know, basically get over Luke feeling like a failure for you know creating Kylo. Um, or I think legitimately that that this is them saying. It is time for this the, the Jedi as we know, as we think of them, to end. Uh, the only thing that scares me a little bit about that is uh, I, I don't want at least the name to go away. Like, I, I want them to create, like, a new Jedi Order and, and it be ha- – when, when, I, when I hear him say it's time for the Jedi to end, really what I mean is the way that the Jedi were doing things as of – especially the prequel trilogy, it's time for that to end. We can still be Jedi, but we need to rethink what that fundamentally means and, and uh, move from there. I hope, you know, obviously that's, I'm sure that's what they're going to do. They're going to sit down and they're going to have a meeting and they're going to like tick off the boxes. Like, do we want to do the celibacy thing anymore? No. Click. Uh, do we want to have the thing where we, we focus on middle chlorians? Uh-uh, no. Get that, get, no. Nobody, nobody that knows shit. what that is. Nobody knows what that is. We're not even mentioning that. Uh, Padawans, uh, no, scratch. We're just going to teach people and, and not be dicks about it. Um, and so on and so forth until they get down to, you know, that, that type of thing. So, yeah, cause here's, here's the deal. Like, why are teenagers the way teenagers are, right? It's, it's because of hormones and their, their, their bodies are doing things that they've never experienced before and, yeah, that's so fucking amazing. Yeah, I just I had to I set the um I went and grabbed the the that's, wallpaper. That's going to be the poster for the our, poster. our episode this, yeah, this week. Yeah, it, by the it way. has to be. Um, the, even the poster though isn't that ominous as shit. God, it's so amazing. Like, and you look at it, like it took me a minute to realize that the other half of it wasn't Ray, that the other half was Kylo. But that 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 I think it's amazing because they, they uh there's so much red in this and the, the, the red obviously conveys certain emotions there's so much red in this and you've got kylo on one side and and luke on the other and, got, and ray being really you. the the yeah ray really being the um bright shining light in this whole thing yeah um but what's crazy to me is is you know even luke 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 was that you know shining light and, and so on and so forth in the original trilogy and uh now even he's, he's red. Yeah, he's on the opposite side of, of Kylo, like almost like they're two sides of the same coin sort of thing. So there's a lot of symbolism in this poster, um, which makes which is another thing that makes it makes it so just so very good. Um, but yeah. Anyway. And can I just say that like the people that are doing the posters now just get it. And like 
if you look at the original like 1977 poster for Star Wars where Luke's all fucking ripped and he's holding the, 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 the <laughs> saber up, like I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> but um, I mean, I I don't think I think it's a great poster mostly for nostalgia reasons. I don't necessarily think it's a great poster. Um, but there's a lot of things about it that 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 you know translate well to the modern age and the way that they're using those things. The way that the um, new posters immediately strike me as um you know, continuations of the same series. Like I really like looking at, um, cause I, I've got it all, you know, you know, ripped. So I see the artwork on my, my, my TV thing Yeah, and lining up all the star Wars movies. I really like how the artwork for, um, the force awakens fits in with the original. If you trilogy. look, if you look at the, um, in fact, picture the poster, picture the poster from, uh, the force awakens. Yeah. And then look at the imagery on that novelization of The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Like, it. there's so many similarities. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Um, and, again, like a Star Trek movie did that really well. Like, if you look at the Star Trek Beyond poster and then, like, you compare it to the original motion See, picture, like, they're not identical. But, like, you can tell, like, there's a feeling that they were grabbing See, for. What's, and they, what's and they crazy is a lot of the feeling it comes from the art style. Um, but when you look at this... Um, there's so many sort of like obvious, the, the, the artwork on this book is obvious is, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. When you look at the artwork from the force awakens poster, or when you look at the artwork from the last Jedi poster that we're talking about in geeking out over, there is so much more symbolism and depth to each of those things. So I like the way that they've managed to incorporate that old art style and give you the immediate nostalgia feeling of, you know, like, oh, this is a Star Wars thing. But when you, but, but the, the thing about looking at the old stuff is you, you look at it and it's kind of all there. You don't, you don't really take a second viewing and figure out what it is that poster is trying to convey. It, it's all there and it's pretty obvious. Uh, there's guys with lasers and there's guys with swords and shit like that. When you look at the new artwork, it's like there's depth to it, which is kind of amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, no. All right, we want to talk any more about the force. Uh, no, I mean, I could talk last Jedi. about it, yeah. but I I don't think we probably should. <laughs> we have other things to talk about. We've we we yeah, we still got a lot of show ahead of us. I mean, yeah. this this is a uh, crazy good show. Hopefully, hopefully, otherwise it's just gonna be a crazy long show. Not so I let's, feel like I feel like it's good. Let's move on. We got some music to talk about this week. We got Weezer, believe it or not. Yeah. So um. <laughs> Eddie recommended this to me, like, and I don't know when when he was first turned on to this particular um, set of recordings, but um, like five minutes ago, he he texted me earlier in the week and was like, "Hey, um, you should check out the Weezer Spotify se- uh, sessions." I did, uh, and I think the way that this came up is that um, I recently decided I was going to subscribe to Spotify, um, not Apple Music, mainly because Apple Music is on my iPhone and it's on my Apple TV, and I have a lot of shit that's not that. So um, I decided to subscribe to Spotify, and um, I've liked using the Spotify software previously, which I can't really say for like the Apple Music, uh, the way it's the way that it exists and works on iOS. I, I'm not a real big fan of. So anyway, got Spotify, was listening to something on there, and a Weezer song started playing, and I, it grabbed me right away, and I was like, what is this? Uh, you know, because I, I, it was very familiar, and then I was like, oh, that's fucking reverse. So I, I you know, popped it open, and I was like, because uh, I wanted to go listen to more of it, and it turns out it was from their uh, Spotify sessions, and so it's kind of like an acoustic set. I will say that- uh, So what, five songs? Yeah. Spotify so. sessions to me feels uh, like a little bit like the spiritual successor to Unplugged. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I totally in, agree. In some, and, some of those. And by the way, I'm not a paid Spotify 
uh, subscriber, and I, I, I still listen to the entire Spotify sessions of Weezer uh, ad-free. So just food for thought, like, if, even if you're not a paid subscriber to it, like, you can still check this out, and it's not going to be yeah, I mean, abrasive. It, it's the, These days, listening to music is pretty low barrier. Um, there's lots of different ways you can listen to it. Spotify is easy here. Um, it's there. It's free. Uh, you might have to listen to an ad or two. Uh, it almost feels like the music industry, like between like things like Apple Music and Spotify and um, even Pandora to some extent. Pandora is more um, uh, of, a, of a random genome thing, but uh, it, it feels like the natural progression after Napster and, and you know, music piracy. Well, and we stuff. just like, because, we weren't going to go back is well, the thing. I, th- I think. The, the, and, and I'm not talking good things about record labels because I still think record labels are fucking greedy assholes for the most part. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like it's, they've made music more accessible because they realize that if we want to listen to it, we will. And it doesn't yeah, necessarily I, I think mean they, it's going to be money in their pocket. <laughs> I think they figured out that they, that they can't uncork that, you know, they can't cork that genie again or yeah. whatever it is. Um, the, uh, it's it's probably for the best because the simple fact of it is once you give an alternative to paying you know seventeen dollars for a CD that you only want to hear two tracks on, um, there there is just no going back. Look at you, Kings Leon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, I mean, he's being generous with the two tracks there, Kings. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, So anyway, listen to Weezer Spotify sessions, really good. Um, I also checked out the White Album. I I'm I'm really digging the White Album. I haven't listened to it enough that I can really tell you much more about it. The wife and I I have been listening to that a lot more. Um, I love. I'm gonna look up the name of the song because I, I don't I don't want to get it wrong, um, and I'm laughing. Um, the other thing that's fun about Spotify or using a mu- music service like this, where you have the entire dis- discography, is that I listen to the White Album and then I accidentally listen to a bunch more, and I'm actually a lot more keen on Weezer than I was. You know, like I we I, I think I made jokes uh, ten or twenty episodes back about how um uh there there was a website a petition to gather money to get weezer to stop making music i think this is around the time that red came out was it red or was it ratitude because ratitude wouldn't surprise me but ratitude no i am pretty sure it was red because i think it was beverly hills that that was kind of like okay just fucking stop already uh yeah that was was that make-believe that was beverly hills i don't know yeah that was one of those. Ratitude. One of those. One of those areas. Um, there was a while where they were turning out music pretty cr- crazy. Actually, they're doing it again because, like, you know, if you look at the Red Album, there was a little while um, uh, before the next thing came out, um, and that ended up being. Well, I, I read something about Rivers a while ago, and he's one of those people that I think, even if you weren't famous, uh, it, he'd he'd like you know, like say if he had a tiny little indie podcast that not a lot of people listen to, I think he'd probably do it anyway. Just because it, it makes him happy, it's kind of a thing he has to do. And Dude. I got the feeling about that how he writes Weezer music is, is sort of along those lines of like he writes a lot of stuff. Like I he's just very prolific. And you and I talking like when we worked together years and years ago about how Rivers like and he had this laptop that was just full of stuff that he'd written and hadn't been recorded or anything like that. It was just an entire laptop full of music. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, but it's the 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 cut that I was talking about on uh, the White Album is is I love the USA, yeah, and uh, it it's a fucking great goddamn song, especially if you are like I said earlier in the podcast a, a forward thinking individual. Um, it's got Patton Oswalt in the music video, 
So I highly recommend you actually look up the the, the music video and, and watch it because it's it's fucking great. Go um, YouTube that shit. Uh, yeah. So the wife and I have been listening to the White Album quite a bit, but the the Spotify sessions actually, I think three of the cuts on that are from the White Album. I think I think so too. At least um, two of them, if not three. But I, I will say overall, um, in, through casual listening, at least I give the White Album overall a thumbs up. Like it it yeah. it. it sparks the weezer feelings for me I, it's a little bit updated compared to their you know like blue blue is blue and pinkerton are gonna probably remain my favorite forever but i it does remind me a lot of that which i like so thank god for girls is their first single from that one and and that one did not turn me on as much as the rest of the record did i think it's that's one no. of the weaker tracks it, it, um, it's not a great track it's it, i can see why that would be a single but um, he there's does a lot his of better weird stuff. like rivers half rap thing which i i actually kind of dig in a lot of cases but i did not dig this that particular song um but i love the usa i think is the other single off the album at least one of the other singles i don't know how many they've they've released but they're already working on another record like that's 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 how quickly that goes but um the spotify sessions are really good and and i'll tell you why i really enjoyed it there's a lot of bands that put out like acoustic eps and they overcompensate for the fact that they don't have like a full drum kit and a and a um electric bass and things like that um specifically one of the ones i'm talking about is like the hoobastank uh target exclusive ep that they put out that was that had a lot of acoustic cuts on it and um i don't remember his name nobody does i mean i'm I'm, Um, I'm impressed you remember hoobastank well no because they had some good songs and but and especially the acoustic like the music from the acoustic cuts that they did were really really good but he was so fucking like he over exaggerated his singing like so much that he's like yelling yeah to like make it kind of i don't know i don't even I'll have I don't to take your word for that because although i think i might own that i don't remember it at all i i think we both own it because i think we both <laughs> bought it around the same time but uh it it just yeah yeah all right it, it like a lot of bands when they're doing stuff acoustic like they they just they don't feel right yeah and there's a lot of reasons for that comfort zone thing i think in a lot of cases comfort zone is a big part of it and i think a big part of it too is like they can't really properly adapt the music and and a big part of when you're doing a small acoustic set like that is the feeling in in the music and in how you sing it in how you play it and uh that's that's just really hard to get right so um but that's enough of that let's talk um miscellaneous our potpourri category this evening we have a couple of news pieces walt disney presents westworld which hot i'm on board <laughs> gonna get a um, uh, sexy mini uh brothel thing going on we're not gonna get there quite yet um but <laughs> disney does want to introduce soft body humanoid robots to its theme parks yeah thanks a lot disney you're bringing a skynet yeah great job um i think they're gonna start out with the um uh the fluff ball character from uh, uh big hero six Oh, okay, cool. So they'll, they'll they'll start out doing stuff like that, but I mean, obviously it's Disney and they're a monster and they can't be stopped. So eventually we will get Westworld type, yeah. type animatronics. <laughs> Just <laughs> that would be so amazing. <laughs> Westworld, a product of Disney Corporation. Yeah, like, oh man. The the the, the com- combined imagery of those two things is just amazing. Yeah, this is one we don't have to spend a ton of time on. No. I just I, I read it earlier in the week and I was like, well, we got to talk about that at least a little bit. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm a, I'm all on I'm on board. You know, you can go to Disney World and I I don't know. As long as you're a paying customer, you can't die and you can just you know. No, I'm just take thinking, advantage of the robots in I'm, any way you want. I'm just gonna I was just gonna say, <laughs> Princess Jasmine is. That's no, never mind. There's lots of wrong things about. <laughs> 
Pocahontas ain't gonna walk the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm gonna show. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. I gotta stop now. Uh, Jude Law. Jude Law will be playing a young Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts. That's really good casting, actually. Yeah, I like it. I yeah. like it. Uh, I think this is in there because number number one, uh, I think a lot of people will be p- happy to see we get to get to a young Dumbledore. Uh, number two is uh, I like Jude Law. Here's the thing: we're gonna have to come up with a different name for this particular set of movies because Fantastic Beasts was a one-off. Like specifically, I mean, it's part of this this new yeah. new set, <clears throat> um, but it's only one small piece of it. And like my understanding is, that, like Newt Scamander is not even like a big part of the rest of it. Yeah, I have no uh, idea. We, so, we we started watching Fantastic Beasts at home, and we still have yet to finish it. Maybe dude, we'll do that it's tomorrow. It's really good. It's good. We it's, watched the first half, and I did, I, I, you know, we're about a halfway through right now, and I do really, no, that's probably not even fair. We're probably about a quarter or a third of the way through, and it's really good so far, and I do want to watch the rest of it. So no, um, it's, it's mainly just getting my family all to sit down for five minutes. It's fantastic. Colin Farrell, <laughs> um, Colin Farrell actually kind of knocks it out of the park with his, his performance in it. Um, Eddie Redmayne, super good. As uh, Newt's commander, and then I really like Eddie Redmayne. Um, Ezra Miller, my, my buddy Ezra, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Actually, before we move on, looking from more Eddie like Redmayne, a heroin addict than, than anything else. But uh, yeah. my, my my favorite book series, my current favorite book series, is called Name of the Wind. And well, no, it's called the King Killer Chronicles. Book one is Name of the Wind. Book two, Wise Man's Fear. Uh, and it features a very prominently redhead character as the lead. And in my dream casting scenario, Eddie Redmayne would play that. Uh, because he's really, really good. Like, yeah. I think Eddie Redmayne is definitely one of those fantastically underrated actors, um, which you kind of see shine through a little bit in Fantastic Beasts. And he hasn't really gotten a lot of big roles so far to star. Um, he I did get a hope they cast him in Dune. Oh, he would be really good in Dune, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. got that look. Like, yeah, just... he could, he could be. That'd be funny. The space ginger in, in, in uh, ginger in, uh, space desert, you know. Yeah whatever um but yeah I, i'm a big fan of his i keep watching him because i think he's one of those people that could potentially be like a the next big thing if he can find the right role to star in so i'd really like to see him do something like name of the wind because then he would get the, the, like the, that's also in my fantasy that that uh which already has a movie deal um blows up and becomes amazing so um, isn't yeah, it like make that happen. every book that comes out has a movie deal now though no oh. <laughs> it's still um i listened to a podcast with uh pat rothfuss who's the um uh, author of the books and it's still actually ridiculously hard oh, to get a, a nickel for every podcast you listen to yeah well i mean i gotta drive i gotta commute so there's a lot of podcasts i'm listening to actually this podcast is, came out a while ago and yeah, I, but I you listen to like podcasts when you had a 30 second commute so yeah that was challenging um <laughs> i have an 11 minute drive to work and i'm like i'm barely gonna get into this but this is gonna get to work <laughs> luckily though i have a job where i can actually like you know provided there's no emergencies i can just go sit at my desk and finish the podcast yeah but um, uh, no, Jude Law as Dumbledore, I think is gonna be fun. I think we're gonna get to see Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. We got to, we got to, we got to. That's like the Chekhov's gun of um, the, this whole series. You you read the the entire series of the original Harry Potter books, right? So like, faux show. So like, you you got the backstory, and and that's like the most famous duel in wizarding history was was that one between uh, Grindelwald and Dumbledore that. I don't know. It lasted days or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, we we have to see that. You, there, there's just no way. Like they they they've been setting that up. I I think um, the whole time. If we don't see that, they 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 done fucked up. They done fucked up. Anyway, let's talk TV. <laughs> um, Nissa 
Nissa Al Ghul will return to Arrow for the Al Ghul showdown. I gotta watch the most recent Sunday, episode of Arrow. Sunday, I, Sunday. I still no. I was doing that the other day when I was talking about the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> In this corner. Yeah, I was like, one day only. <laughs> yeah. He's back and he's pissed off. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Nice. We, we, we're totally digging the whole sacrilege thing this this uh, Easter uh, Sunday. You know, I'm not religious at all, so for me, it's just one of those things. And, no, I, same. And, but, uh, I, I'm imagining there's people at home right now that are deeply offended. We're sorry, people. My, my kids totally aren't religious either, so it's it's one of those jokes that I can make around the house, and like it's just you know, it's good old-fashioned <laughs> family fun, you know? Uh, God damn, we're going... Yeah. Um, anyway, Nissa Al Ghul, uh, portrayed, uh, portrayed by Kaleen... Uh, Katrina Law, Jesus Christ, um, will be on, well, more sacrilege, uh, will be on uh, Arrow soon, and we presume that's related to Talia Al Ghul. An- Anissa Talia Showdown. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, I mean, throw them in some jello, should be good, 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 I mean, good, good match there. I mean, the comic book fanatic in me is like, well, Talia's got to win, because she's the real character. But like, Yeah, it, it's not even a question. But, uh, you know, honestly, I, I like the Nissa character, though, from the first couple seasons of Arrow and whatnot. I, I am one episode behind still. I'm not I'm not 100% cut up on Arrow. I do. I, I think it would be okay with me if there was a little bit of a, like, a stalemate type of thing going yeah. on. Well, but, it's, it's just got to end that way. I mean, Ollie's Yeah, I don't think they're going to kill each other. But, um, you know, Talia's kind of got to... Maybe Ollie will intervene and get stabbed through the chest and thrown over a cliff. And then he'll have some tea and he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, way you to know, go, season three. I've been drinking tea quite a bit, and I, I got to say that I feel like I could probably take a, a, a sword through the chest and, and make it at this point. Oh man, this week on the Whatever Show, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll try that next week. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about comics. Let's do it, man, because we read some good comics this week. Oh, yeah. you know what we didn't talk about? What are we not talking about? We didn't talk about the fact that that this really is our anniversary show. This is. Yeah. Did this you look it up? Is. Yeah, I did. Um. This is the closest we're going to get. Cool. And uh, I'm drinking one of my anniversary presents uh, from, from Eddie right now. <laughs> you know, I my, haven't given him his yet. My my wife keeps telling me that we're totally gay for each other. And I, I don't see what she's saying. Why yeah, she I, don't, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to give you this earlier in the show, too, and I totally forgot. But this is actually the, the, the most appropriate time I could do it. So uh, without further ado. He... It, it feels a lot like a comic book, and I think maybe it is. It is a comic book. It is X Men Blue. This looks like the alt cover too. This the variant is, this cover. Is, this is actually one of uh, many. This is the, the variant cover number eight. But it's uh, yeah, it is pretty rad. It, yeah, I, I actually um, I was in the comic shop yesterday, and I and I, I grabbed it because I I felt like I needed to. What I wanted to get you um, is is if they by any chance at all had had a. a a Another first printing gold. of gold, yeah, and they didn't obviously. No, th- so this is a, this is an amazing choice. I actually really like this variant cover. No, too. it's an awesome cover. It, it sort of looks uh, Calvin and Hobbes esque, except does. for you've got uh, uh, Iceman Bobby uh, um, and a very pissed off looking um, Cyclops who's covered in snow. <laughs> who's covered in snow? Maybe not. Uh, maybe more Charlie Brown. Actually, anyway, it's it's a great cover. It, like, it actually is is really good too, especially. And we're going to talk about the actual comic book here in a minute because we both read it. Yeah, we totally did. Um, not this particular one because I didn't know he had it, but um, uh, it there there's it, there's some symmetry with the cover to the actual um, inner workings of the book too. When which we'll, oh, we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about Hal Jordan though. First of all, yeah. Um, so I caught up on about uh, three or four issues before we got started here uh, tonight, and 
there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. So number one, a little brief bit of backstory. We've got uh, Hal Jordan and we've got John Stewart and we've got Guy Gardner and we've got Kyle Rayner all in the same comic book. And the big part though right now as it relates to the story is that Kyle Rayner is a white lantern. He Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Well, okay. Slow sorry. Down. Sorry. We'll get there. I promise. Okay, go ahead. I promise. But this is this is like foreplay. We got to work up to it. <laughs> um so the big now you know the, why my wife's pissed off all the time. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the the big part the big part of uh of what's going on in, in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps right now is that um Lantern Stewart, John Stewart, is actually the boss. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the, the core leader. guy, he's the core leader. Um and he has struck a deal with um daughter of Sinestro, uh who's Sornic. Yes. Um she, former girlfriend of, of Kyle Rayner. Yeah. Um, and she's leading the Sinestro Corps at this point, and they've they've decided that they're going to work together, and they're going to work together as a singular unit. So, like, from now on, instead the, of two lanterns patrolling a sector, you get a, lan- a a green and a yellow patrolling together, and they've got to get along. Um, you know, they really ought to think of a different name, though, because, like, you do imagine the same thing. Like, Germany, we, we kind of had a similar scenario. Now we're big allies with Germany. Could you imagine if we were, like... Uh, the Hitler so, Corps. Yeah, the yeah. Hitler Corps. <laughs> yeah. The Nazis. We've decided to keep the name. Yeah, we don't think it will bother yeah, yeah, anybody. Yeah, we we like Adolf. Yeah, Adolf. Very good name. Um, Adolf. Adolf. Yeah, yeah. Strong name. <laughs> yeah. No. So maybe ditch the Sinestro core name for step one. Uh, um, we get it. It's a comic they book, refer but... to them as the Yellows quite a bit, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're they're still, I guess, technically the Sinestro core. Um, which you know, obviously, isn't really a hit with either side. Yeah, starting off and whatnot. Nope. Um. And and kind of the first bit of the story that Eddie and I both caught up on this week um, is that, uh, and they're all sitting on my desk right in front of me, um, <laughs> they got to go out in search of the, the rogue yellow lanterns and either convince them to join up with them or they, they, they rot in a cell. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Um, guy decides, though, that he's going to take off a spaceship, Sands Ring, mm-hmm. and go after the biggest, baddest yellow lantern there is, which is Arkillo, who is the the most loyal and devout of Sinestro's you know followers and and just brawl like just a showdown man like mono a mono or alien whatever yeah the first issue i read was i think uh issue 16 it is a very guy centric story uh which is cool because as i was telling matt before the show um i haven't read a lot of guy gardner stories so uh i liked getting a little bit more of a chance to acquaint with what makes guy gardner special what makes guy gardner deserving of the ring and this issue sort of highlights that the most and the short answer is guy gardner will take a beating but he gets back up every single fucking time yeah um him and sinestro have an all-out brawl uh, that nearly kills both of them and, Not Sinestro or uh, Arkillo, uh, I'm sorry. Arkillo, yeah. That nearly kills both of them. And uh, uh what comes out of it is is actually really amazing. I'm gonna skip through just to follow the Guy Gardner story, I'm gonna skip through a couple issues and then we'll go back to the Kyle Rayner aspect of it. Yeah. Um which kind of ends up with um Sinestro or I'm sorry, god I'm gonna do that a million times. Um Arkillo in his in his science cell um in a in a uh, construct medical apparatus, I guess that sort of yeah. whipped up. Uh, it, it's funny he gets given a tooth. Guy Gardner does uh, one of one of Arkillo's teeth um, as a trophy by somebody who was who you know kind of intercepted the the two as they were killing each other and and, I think and it was John right? pick up the pieces. It wasn't John that gave him the the tooth. It was it was somebody else. 
that said he wanted he would want to have it. Yeah, uh, but uh, it it in a, in a weird twist, like Guy Gardner goes to Arkillo's uh, cell and and puts the tooth on him and says, "You know what, Sorinet can can you know help you? <laughs> she can put this back and 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 you know you'd be good as new and whatnot." And just kind of was like, "Hey, man, I I this is a coasted apology you're gonna get, but this had to go down this way so that the rest of both cores knew that, yeah, this this had to happen." Um, and I I want to patrol a sector with you like basically saying you know you're going to be my new partner when you're okay and obviously Arkillo's kind of out like he's not responding in any way but then like later on in a different issue like you see the two of them show up together to break up a brawl between some greens and some yellows that have decided that you know they're going to go at it in the middle yeah. of, of Oa which is crazy um, you know like I, I would like this to become like one of the best buddy cop you know sort of things ever because uh they beat the shit out of each other like i think Arkilla might have actually ripped off guy gardner's ears or, or tried to and he, and he definitely tried to a decent job of, of almost doing it yeah yeah um and and guy gardner very obviously ripped out one of Arkillo's eyes yeah, I mean, Arkillo, I think, ends up with an eye patch. So he's got a he's got a construct eye patch. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Uh, but not, but but him and Guy are no longer at odds with one another. Like that's 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 actually kind of one of the one of the better uh, storytelling pieces that that happened in, in this four issue arc. The other one, um, though, does relate to Kyle Rayner, and I'll, I'll let Eddie go in balls deep now because that's where he was yeah. trying to. Okay, so Kyle Rayner. Uh, Kyle Rayner is sort of the Green Lantern that comes after John Stewart. Um, Kyle Rayner uh, went on, you know, through a storied career, which I, I won't get into because I don't know well enough and Matt would probably just yell at me. I, I can give you the, the, the Cliff's notes real quick. Real quick. So when Hal Jordan went nuts and became Parallax and destroyed the rest of the core, there was no Green Lanterns. Yeah. Uh, there was one ring left. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Gambit. Okay found kyle in an alley and his words were i guess you'll do <laughs> he's like well we've only got one of these left so let's just pick whatever I mean that guy whatever well, that guy's fine that's important that's important because kyle dealt with that for a lot of years of wondering whether or not he was just uh got the ring by happenstance or whether or not he deserved it and it took him a long time to come to the realization that he did deserve the ring uh, yeah. so that's um i actually like that they set the story up that way for kyle because it really it it told a lot of good stories over the course of you know 15 years yeah it actually even kind of relates you know that knowing that backstory makes the bit in this uh issue or this this arc even more sort of uh poignant because at one point um him and hal jordan kyle rayner and hal jordan are having a little heart to heart and and hal says uh you know you know don't tell anybody i said this but you are the best of us all like you're the you're the best lantern of us all And, and he he kind of says, "Don't get me wrong. I I'm pure will. Like I'm the only lantern who can form his own ring and and you know reconstitute myself from from or you know turn myself into pure willpower. But you're the best lantern of us all. And you know Kyle has essentially become the white lantern, which is sort of this amalgamation of all of the different I, colors. I love I love that uh, I love that Kyle was like, well I you know since we're opening ourselves up, I wanted to let you know that I've always looked up to you. And Hal Jordan's like, yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a secret, bro. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, Kyle, Kyle, um, Kyle mastered each color of the emotional spectrum uh, with his one ring. That's that's the weird part about it is like he didn't have to wear the different rings to do it. Like he just channeled it and and mastered it, and that's when he became the white, the white lantern, the the holder of the life equation, so to speak. Yeah. So um, 
we get that sort of setup. Kyle's the White Lantern. Uh, in the story arc, it's not super long, um, but the main part of it is that the uh, Guardians want the the two remaining guardians essentially want Kyle to use the same sort of power that he exhibited when he brought Hal back from you know the the, the ether the ether whatever the fuck it was called um the emerald something yeah the emerald city no that's not it dream maybe the emerald dream they they want him to you know basically use that power to help uh, resurrect the other guardians the green I think they just called it the green maybe I don't I don't yeah. remember emerald green might be a little redundant but whatever something um. <laughs> But they want him to use that power to resurrect the other Guardians. And they're like, dude, I don't know if I can do that. And the Guardians are like, no, you'll be fine. It's cool. They're not resurrecting the Guardians. Who are they resurrecting? The fallen Blue Lanterns. Because there's only one yeah, Blue Lantern. Right. We got St. Walker <clears throat> back. Um, but he's the only Lantern of hope. Yeah, okay. And so they want Kyle to to resurrect the, the fallen Blue Lanterns. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um, So they, you know... Uh, Walker comes in. He's like, "Okay, we can do this." And Kyle's like, "No, not really." And Walker's like, just grabs him. They're like, "Well, we're gonna do it anyway." And that goes wrong. Uh, we we get this sort of like panel where they're like, "There's something interfering with this, and it's not working." And Kyle's essentially sw- stripped of the White Lantern power, more yeah, or less. The, you you see like his ring kind of dissipate into multicolored rings, and they yeah. go off. And um, but. Obviously, he was a Green Lantern before, um, so he's worthy of, of, of that particular power, regardless of whether or not he's worthy of the other ones. And so, you know, all of a sudden he's back, back in black, so to speak, because he's got yeah. his his, uh, his old school uh, uniform with the that's all black with the white chest piece and the, I, the, I, the full I face mask. Do you super dig? Uh, I like Kyle's outfit. I like yeah. his his costume. I, I love that reveal in the original run when he first became the Lantern. Because when he first put the ring on, he had it was like a Hal Jordan looking costume. And then like he's like, no, 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 this has got to change. And like yeah. he made it his own. Um, and I love the fact that, that now all the Lanterns kind of have their own slight variation of it. Like it, it didn't used to be that way, but it is a lot more of that yeah. now. Guy, guy, John Stewart's probably the only one that looks, you know, guy, John and, and Hal look pretty similar. Their costumes look pretty similar. But John doesn't wear a mask, though, if you notice. That's and he true. never has. John, uh, guy, guy is definitely significantly different. Like he's got that sort of like weird vest looking thing going on, and then uh, Kyle's costume is 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 uh, you know completely different still. So guy, guy has always done that though. If you, in fact, I'll Google an image and and throw it up real quick. But uh, Guy Gardner has always had uh, a uh, a weird like vest with buckles and, and things like that yeah uh yeah right here so anyway it's a cool move i think it, it's something different we haven't seen yeah that's quite a bit different it's something uh you know if you're a big green lantern fan you're probably excited about the fact that you get to get kyle back as a green um because he hasn't been for a long time and uh he like matt i think matt uh Kyle was your first lantern, essentially. Uh, right? Not my first, but like I, I he's caught the, the tail end of Hal Jordan. The, he's so. the he's your lantern, yeah. more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, honestly, like, how many more stories can we tell with Kyle being the White Lantern? Like, we everything has to revolve around him being like the lantern of life, so to speak. Yeah. And and you can only tell so many of those stories before it's just like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Whereas with um, you put him back in the green and uh, it, it it does two things. One, we get to tell cool Green Lantern stories again that aren't uh, world shattering, 
mm-hmm. necessarily every every month because you can't do that every month. Yeah. Um, the second piece is that you know that he's worthy of this, and so it gives him something to maybe try and work toward again if they decide to go that direction, uh, or maybe he's content with with being yeah. A See, again. I, I don't know how that's gonna work. I I didn't get the feeling that they were like. It wasn't like an unworthy Thor, like you, you can't have the power sort of thing. It was like there was clearly some interference that fucked everything up. And so um, I think that it's possible Kyle will be the white again. But I, I, I do appreciate like they're getting to do a different story with yeah. this. So. Um, all right. So let's talk Weapon X. Let's let's do it. You actually just read this book today. Yeah. So Weapon X opens up. We get to. See, yeah. OK. Let me make sure because I read a lot of books today. Weapon X opens up with Old Man Logan, essentially. Um, it opens up with uh, Lady Deathstrike, actually. Oh, you're right. And then and then we within a page and a half, we're with we're with Logan. But yeah, um, Lady Deathstrike getting kidnapped, oddly, because she's Lady Deathstrike. And yeah, that's not something that's easy to do. Nobody on Earth that can really kidnap her. But yeah. Um, and then we see Logan and he's hanging out in the woods off the beaten path, obviously, because then he runs into some uh, hikers hikers that, that look are... to be look to be some millennials out there lost. Um, he happily directs them toward, uh, you know, where they can get back to their trailhead and goes on about his business, only to realize that they're some kind of fucking weird-ass killer robots. Yeah. Um, they do sort of remind me of, like, uh, I think you said this, too. They're, like, kind of like Sentinels, like yeah. super future Sentinels. Um, different from what you've seen before, I think. Um, but th- that's the only thing that really leads me against believing they're Sentinels, except for the fact that they seem clearly designed to deal with Logan's powers. Like during the thing he's talking about, I smell, you know, 15 different types of scented perfume and whatever. And, uh, but the thing that they can't cover is fear. So they're able to give off the, the scent that makes Logan believe that they're afraid of him. And um, then, you know, five seconds later, it turns out they're totally robots and he didn't pick that up at all. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So they have a bit of a brawl, uh, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, Logan gets away. And um, the other fun bit about this is uh, he goes and meets none other than Sabretooth. Yeah, actually goes out in search of Sabretooth. Um, and this Sabretooth uh, that we're, we're seeing in this Weapon X book is a little bit different than the one that we're used to from the most recent past. And I'm... Eddie hasn't read Uncanny in, in, in a long time. No. Um, but Sabretooth was actually part of Magneto's team. Yeah. In Uncanny X-Men. Um, he had gone through some changes. They um, He went off world with uh, with Quicksilver and and, uh, and Wanda. Yeah. And found out that that's when they, they made the, the big reveal that uh, Quicksilver and Wanda are not actually mutants. Yeah. Uh, and something happened when he was in that um, on that trip that like altered his uh, bloodlust and so he was he was able to be more of a team player on the uncanny x-men he worked a lot with um m and uh and psylocke quite a bit yeah but uh he's a little bit different now like i don't, I don't want to say he's a he's a, a brutal killer again or anything like that but like he definitely is a loner um he's in a, in a cabin hundreds of miles away from civilization and and yet logan is able to to seek him out and and actually ask him to help and and I I love that scene because he's like seriously you're asking to team up with me like what what on God's green earth makes you think that's gonna happen he's like well because I let some cameras pick me up on the way here so the bad guys are here you know now <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so perfect encapsulation of Logan um and you know how he rolls um, but overall I I think this is probably one of my favorite this this might be my favorite of the new X books really yeah. It's interesting because I actually, 
I mean, as much as I like gold, I, I really thought blue had a great story to tell too. So we'll talk See, about that in a minute. But uh, blue, blue, um, blue was okay. Blue was a little bit of a throwaway for me. Um, the thing that I like about blue is actually kind of what it sets up. So. Yeah. Well, I, I the first issue of any comic book, I don't think that. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like a pilot. Yeah. So it's it's get, it's probably get, not going to be your, your best episode. Interested in the story and and hope that it's enough to stick, keep them sticking around. And and see, blue for me. Um, is very much that way like uh i i three quarters of the story is is interesting not bad uh but it's the end like they got the hook at the end that makes me want to go back and read issue two um yeah yeah Uh, although it is possible to do a perfect pilot um because cheers did it but (laughs) no i'm serious like i actually just listened to a podcast talked about this today and i never really put that together until i until i no um, i don't remember the pilot for cheers but i'm sure you're right cheers was a great show no seriously like that pilot every character that you see come on screen like within 20 to 30 seconds based on their dialogue you know that character's history you know what they are as a person like yeah there there there's no question about who any of these people are by the time the pilot's over with and like for any show that's impressive yeah for a 22 minute pilot it's even more impressive for sure i mean um anyway enough about cheers so weapon x though um uh yeah there's some kind of sinister plot um where they're 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 trying to harvest um at least abilities from uh you know our uh more savage characters from the x universe uh whether it be logan whether it be Sabretooth or um uh uh lady deathstrike uh we also have, uh, I think, Warpath and Domino in the mix at some point. I think you're right, yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I <coughs> did really super enjoy the book. Um, but uh, X-Men Blue, I actually, I came away with X-Men Blue uh, feeling a lot of feelings about, uh, a lot of positive feelings about it. So, I'll start out by saying I've read all of the all-new X-Men, both, yeah. both uh, Volume 1 and 2 of it. And when I say um, all new X Men, I'm talking the uh, original five X Men that were supposedly pulled forward in time by Beast um, to show them what Cyclops had become and to try and, and uh, prevent that prevent that from happening, only to find out that he couldn't send them back. Um, and then we, I think we talked about this last week, where um, uh, Young Beast figured out a way to actually get them back in their own timeline. But then when they got there, they realized that their other counterparts were already there. So they can't be from that particular timeline They're They've been pulled from somewhere else and they can't get back. They're here, I guess is, yep. is, is what that was supposed to say. Um, this story did not feel at all like any of the all new X-Men books. And I was really relieved by that because I'm just like, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to do this book and it's going to be about the original five. We already have that book and it's called all new X-Men. So if you're just going to retitle the book, I'm not in favor of that, but it, it does look like they've actually taken this, this group and gone a different direction with them. Well, <clears throat> I think the thing for me at least is that all new felt like a, uh, <laughs> you know, this weird way to bring back these older characters. And that was always sort of lo- like looming in the background. This book feels a little bit more like um, here's these old characters and let's basically tell their stories in an updated fashion. Like it was um, the, the, best way they could do a story with the, the original five without just like a flat reboot i think yeah yeah uh, so this feels a lot more like that rather than some like com- continuation amalgamation you know sort of thing like they're they're here it's accepted we've moved on from that and now let's tell some x-men stories yeah i would i would agree <coughs> with that 
I um I enjoyed it. Um, there was there was a big reveal at the end. Um, yeah, a so couple spoilers. I mean, if you're if 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 the you know you're gonna run out and buy the book, it just came out this week, so you know that's obviously a a possibility. But uh, you you go it, toward the end of the book. They they have their their battle with uh, Black Tom and um, Juggernaut, which actually I was kind of relieved to see Juggernaut come back. I, I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, Black Tom either. Uh, Black Tom is Banshee's brother. If you didn't know, I did not. Um, yeah, they're both Cassidy's. Um, so you you get to see that that battle. It takes place on a yacht, and they have to save the people that are on the yacht, and whatnot. Um, they do that, and then they that 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 piece of the story was kind of like you said, it's kind of a throwaway. Yeah, it's not as it's not as uh, pertinent to the overall uh, story. But what what is pertinent is they get back to their their home base in Madripoor of all places, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, and are reporting to the boss, and and the reveal is that the boss is um, Magneto. Yep. So this is important for two reasons. One um, is Magneto. He's been on uh, more of a shades of gray side lately than than he's a bad guy, um, it, or anti hero maybe is even a better word because he's always been that kind of weird shade of gray where like there's uh, there's always been a contingent of people that could maybe understand where Magneto's coming from, yeah. rather than him just being a villain. Um, the second piece is that the ending of Uncanny X Men from this most recent incarnation. Was Psylocke killing Magneto? Um, at least in her mind, she killed him. You find out the next panel that there's a group of mutants that come back and actually resurrect him. So, like you as an audience member, know he's not dead. Um, but Psylocke doesn't know that. Like, and and as far as Magneto's concerned, he was like, "Wow, she she fucking really did it." Like, he didn't think that was going to happen. Hmm. Um. And so she killed him, wandered off, went to do her own thing. I don't know where we'll see her pop up next because uh, she hasn't been in any of the X books that we've seen so far uh, from the uh, quote resurrection uh, yeah. series. But um, yeah, so that's that's an important piece. Uh, the fact that he's presumed dead by the rest of the world should be interesting. Uh, and and yet the original five know that he's still alive. Plus the 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 couple mutants that came uh out of their weird little time warp thing or whatever it was and and resurrected him after she killed him. So we don't really know uh whose side he's playing for at this point. No. Uh th- th- this is actually kind of the big part for me too. Like this is the one thing that makes me want to read. And the other thing that makes me want to read is there is a little flash forward like but, here's upcoming and- Oh yeah, yeah. And we we get a shot of Xavier, so we do get a shot of Xavier. There's also a backup, uh, a, a small backup to the. It's more of an epilogue than a backup story, uh, with uh, some people in uh, presumably uh, Canada, I would assume, mm-hmm. uh, getting accosted by a a Wendigo. Yeah, uh, and but then there's a there's a different person uh, that you see in there. He gets shot and then gets back up and then all of a sudden he's got these three metal claws and i'm like is that is it can it be yeah and we don't know but it does definitely look like wolverine and i'm not talking old man logan i'm talking about like legit like wolverine wolverine so he's not wearing the costume no for sure but he's he's lighter hair too like he's he's, almost red yeah 
Uh, so it, it it's going to be interesting. I, I do not know where they're going with that, and I'm anxious to see what that's going to be. Me too. Uh, so that's X-Men Blue, number one, guys. Uh, it's out now in stores uh, along with Weapon X, number one. Yeah. Uh, they both came out this week, so uh, head to your comic shop and buy them if yeah. you feel like it. Walking Dead. Let's talk Walking Dead. So I, I read the most recent, like, say, three or four issues because I was a little bit behind on The Walking Dead. I was too. And man, are these showstoppers. Like, every issue of this this series is just fantastic. Who would have thought that you could have three full issues of a herd? Yeah. So, number one, you get the herd aspect of things, and there's that all that drama that goes with that. But there's a lot of amazing things that happen during this. The, um, the real big standout for me is the character development. Like, we, I don't think we've really gotten character development out of Negan, really. Um, at least not in this regard. We finally get a little bit of like what makes Negan tick, and that's super interesting to me. It it is, but I have to wonder if he's being legit, straight up with Rick when he's doing this, or if he's he's uh, or if this is gonna. Because remember when he took out Alpha, like he he really got Alpha on her side too by by telling his his story yeah. and whatnot. And I'm not saying that what he told Alpha wasn't true. I don't. I don't think we know that for a fact at all. In fact, I'm. I'm. I'm almost positive it was true. Uh, but what his ultimate motive is at this point, we don't know because you know when he got, when he drew Alpha in, obviously he cut off her head. Yeah. Um, but on the same token, we get this like. Uh, we have a couple of different occasions where either Negan or Rick could leave the other to die and they choose not to. So um, I, I think yeah. it's interesting that they don't immediately just like he could put the kibosh on that right away. And like if, if Negan's going to turn, he's got opportunities aplenty in, in these this issue series. So yeah. um, <laughs> I don't think that's it. I think they're just legitimately developing out Negan. And, you know, th- this if if they can bring this around to where Negan's like a good guy that you root for, that'd probably be one of the most amazing face turns I've ever seen. No, for sure. Considering how hated Negan is as a character. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, if you, if you told the, uh, any, any show watcher, non reader right now that there's a possibility you're going to like Negan in the future, they'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, so the, there, there's a giant herd, um, besetting Alexandria. And, uh, it, it's huge. I mean, nobody's seen or heard the size ever that we know of. And yeah, so they managed to fight that off all the while. There's some saviors that are actually kind of sitting back watching what's going on. Um, they're not responsible for the herd. That was, that was the whisperers, but they're not helping at all. No, still, though the, big saviors, bag of dicks the saviors are supposed to be allies, a part of this network that Rick has, has helped set up and whatnot. Um, and so you find out in the most recent issue, like they're, they're dick bags like they're and and their whole point is to just like let Alexandria suffer and then tell them like we're not part of your group anymore we're on our own um Rick kind of calls a council makes everybody wait outside and takes the uh the leader in um and and has this you know kind of meeting with her and she is immediately on the defensive she's up in arms and and you know tries to kill Rick basically in the middle of everything uh he ends up fighting back and breaks her neck. Yeah. You know, um, she kind of had it coming. She did have it he coming. Didn't, he didn't mean to kill her, but it was but... behind closed doors. And so it's, yeah. you know, to one side, it's going to look like this was just a, a straight up fucking, he lured her in and, and killed her for trying to stand up to him. Yeah. Um, Andrea shows up, sees, sees the aftermath, aftermath. And, and it was like, you know, he's like, it was an accident. And that's when you get the, 
um, that's when it's revealed to Rick that she's been bitten by one of the the herd walkers that they were trying to uh, lure away. Which I gotta say, uh, man, that's that is ballsy. Like uh, Andrea has been the one of one of the the standout character. I mean, isn't she at this point practically an original? Andrea has been around forever in the comics. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> So, um, for comic readers, this is probably one of the hardest deaths you, you, we've seen in some time, um, because she's been a lot around so long. She has such a heavy relationship with Rick. I think aside from uh, Coral, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Coral actually mentioning Coral, he got a pretty big leadership moment here too, which is you know there's been a long I don't know if it's fan theory or if actually even Kirkman has said this, but um, this is sort of everybody kind of talks about The Walking Dead as being the story of Carl. And I think that there's a very good possibility that this is setting that up even a little bit more, um, that Carl's eventually going to take over the group. And I don't know if that's where the book ends or if they're going to keep doing it sans Rick Grimes, but um, <laughs> they're definitely grooming Carl to be the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this is this this book has some interesting uh, plot points in it. And here's here's where I'm going to start speculating and throwing things out there. I do not think that it's out of the question at this point that Rick is going to have to come to terms with the fact that the only way that he keeps the saviors in the fold, he's going to release Negan and he's going to let Negan go and he's going to take them, the saviors over again. <coughs> um, that's, that's, that's what I'm calling. Like that's, that is, that is my, my prediction of what's happening is, is ultimately Negan is going to reclaim the saviors of his own, but he's going to work with Rick. That would be kind of amazing. I, I think that's a good way to go with this. I think there's also a possibility that Rick's going to be faced with some sort of moral dilemma as to whether or not he just gives Negan up. But I think now that we've got this uh, sort of um, set up with the... Uh, um, Rick's sort of on a bad side of this negotiation and the saviors theoretically are probably just going to want to gut him. So um, I think that that's a probably better setup for that. So Yeah. Um, I I read these the last four issues this morning. Cause I was, I was behind on my walking dead. I hadn't, I hadn't caught up in a long time. And so I, I was, I, I just, before I even got out of bed, I was like, I got these comic books. I'm going to read them. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, solid, because th- these are, these are some of the best issues. Like there, there hasn't been issues. I think that have been so good for quite a the while. Whisper war wasn't nearly what I thought it was going to be. No. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying that I didn't like it because it didn't, turn out the way i thought it was going to be i just thought it was going to be a much bigger deal than what it actually ended up being um and we got some good negan moments out of it you know um and and we got the death of lucille out of it but yeah uh but ultimately like these last four issues where they're just fighting off the herd most of the time and then dealing with an inner uh network struggle uh has been much more compelling to me than than what the whisperers presented so yeah for sure um yeah solid storytelling um and i was i was actually looking at that and i was thinking charlie adler has been the the artist um since the first six issues like the first six issues were um more i think Mm -hmm. um this book has been on a long time we're 166 issues now yeah that guy has been drawing the same book and kirkman has been writing the same book like has i mean 
I'm not saying there that it hasn't happened, but it's it's not common for a writer and an artist to stick together on one comic book for as long as these guys have. No, it's it's, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing run. amazing run for them, and especially because at this point it's still a really good book. Like I can't yeah. imagine. It's very surprising to me that we're 166 or seven or whatever issues in, and I still really enjoy reading this book. So yeah, yeah. Same. All right. Let's close out the show. We've got one little piece of wrestling news. Uh, we skipped the classic match tonight. It, we knew we had a big show going into this, uh, but there was one little tiny piece of wrestling news I wanted to bring up on the show, and that is the whole JBL drama. Yeah, so here's the deal. Um, Bailey was over to watch WrestleMania. I know uh, you you watched a little bit that night um, at your house, and then you, you caught up the next day. Yeah. Um, but uh, conspicuous by his absence was Mara Ronello. Uh, who's the head announcer from SmackDown. Uh-huh. And uh, so I kind of was looking at it, um, and I looked it up that night a little bit, and and, and I found out that he had some uh, depression issues going on, and then he had been off the air for a little while dip- battling uh, some of that. That's what it seemed like, at least um, from the outside looking in to the rest of the world. But uh, we've it's come to light that uh, it's possible that there was some, uh, that those issues were brought on by... Uh, JBL himself uh, being a dickbag, like it's, and there's been stories for years that JBL has not been kind uh, to others in the locker room uh, from his days of an, as an active wrestler up until now, apparently. Oh man, like this last week, there's been a, a bunch of different stories about JBL basically just being a gigantic cock. So, um, I don't know. I'm following this story because I think it's interesting. What's interesting to me is that the company seems to be protecting him in in light of all of these. Uh, stories that really are not coming out favorably for JBL at all. Uh, uh, so I don't know. We'll see how this goes, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, and and you know we'll follow it as it uh, it develops. The the strange thing about this is, and and I'll tell you, um, WWE has has been really outspoken about their anti bullying campaign for a long time, especially Steph, because I think that's kind of her baby. Yeah. Uh. This obviously doesn't fall in line with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, too, is is what's really weird about this is he's an active employee. And there's these allegations that are coming out. And they're essentially not doing anything. No. Uh, for, you know, again, this is the outside looking in. We have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, but outwardly, it, it appears that they're, they're, they're protecting this. Uh, or JBL, they're protecting him pretty, pretty intently. Um Several years ago, not several years ago, but two or three years ago, Kevin Nash was arrested for a uh, uh, theoretical d- domestic dispute between him, his wife, and his son. And um, he was released from his legend Legends contract immediately. Yeah. Upon arrest, like as soon as that hit the net, the the headlines, like he was, they were like, "Nope, we're we got to suspend your contract." I guess not released, but it, but it was suspended. Yeah. Um. It came out to light that his son was actually the one that was being the aggressor toward Kevin's wife, his mom, like the kid's uh, mom, and that Kevin had stepped in to put a stop to it. And that was his total involvement in the whole thing. And so he was obviously, um, you know, all charges against him were dropped. There was no no wrongdoing, nothing like that. And then the WWE was able to, you know, okay, we're, you know, we're, yeah, you're no longer under suspension and whatnot. But like, it was almost like a guilty until proven innocent situation in that particular case but then we have an active uh active allegations against a a current employee and it's like they're they're willing to do nothing about it 
Yeah, and so th- that's what's crazy to me. There's so much smoke on this one. Like, yeah. you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's so much smoke on this one. Like, there's um, the Hardys. I, I saw a quote from the book um, the Hardys put out, and there's a lot of, um, you know, things that they say that, you know, come across as nothing but bullying to me. Uh, in the article we linked to in the show notes, there's lots of different examples of the types of things that JBL is being accused of. And, um, again, I'm not saying, like, we should immediately assume guilt. But uh, I do believe a lot of the times where there's smoke, there's fire, and that investigating properly is, you know, sort of a necessary step the WWE needs to make. No. So I'm not quite on the fire JBL train yet because I don't really know anything. I just read internet rumors, but I am on the train of like, why? Why are they outwardly seeming to not do anything about this at all? And it and it's and it's and it's strongly rumored at this point that they're willing to just keep Ronaldo off the air until his contract is up in eight months, which is weird. Yeah. Um. So this is this is the part to me that I don't know, and I want everybody to understand. Like the, I get it. Like the business uh, when JBL was an active wrestler was a lot different, right? For there sure. was there was hazing, there was all sorts of things that were going on, and he wasn't the only one guilty of it back then. So I'm not willing to crucify the man based on uh, things like that. The Hardys are saying, and the Edge has has been quoted as saying, um, you know, and Edge wasn't even really trying to throw the guy in the bus just you know saying you know he'd re- he'd been on the receiving end of a a couple things uh from JBL yeah. you know as as a younger wrestler and whatnot um but this isn't those days and no. what's happening now if if what they're saying is happening is happening um and he's he's behaving this way toward uh a fellow announcer i don't have any patience for that kind of thing yeah you know what i mean uh, Mauro Ronello, I think, is a, is an accomplished announcer. He was the voice of uh, the English speaking voice of New Japan Pro Wrestling for uh, a, a while um, before uh, before he left to, to join the WWE. I think he he did a, a good job there. I think he's done a good job with SmackDown. Um, he was he was great on uh, the uh, uh, was the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, that that whole tournament. He was he was the the lead announcer for. He he and Corey Graves did that together. So I guess my problem is, is is in this particular situation, if this is what it appears to be, why do you cover up for JBL who's not that great of an announcer? No, I mean, like, like I, ma- I made a joke about this in the chat, but I think the short of it is he's got a lot of history in the company and I don't understand... You know, like I, th- I think he's getting a little bit like good old boy treatment here, uh, where he doesn't necessarily, you know, like that's not the right thing to do. Um, so again, I, I don't necessarily like think that, um, you know, it, when it comes down to it, a lot of these are just internet rumors, and they may be true, they may not be true. Uh, they certainly make for good headlines, but the story's getting picked up all over the place, and the WWE's kind of taking a bath in it. The very least they could do is say, you know, we're suspending JBL temporarily so we can investigate this, the these allegations. Um, and, and and you know that that that's that's the way it's always been with them. Like, yeah. Uh, so what, what's uh, crazy to me Waller is got accused of rape back in the nineties, and he was immediately suspended until that until the charges were dropped, and then they brought him back to TV. Yeah. So that so, that's what's crazy to me. Like, is they 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 seemingly are doing absolutely nothing about this, and uh, that that seems you know insane, especially because the the, the they run an anti bullying thing. You know so. Anyway, um, that's all I got really on that. So yeah, no, that's I. This is uh, obviously again, like Eddie said, we'll we'll continue to follow this and we'll we'll update you next week if there's been any news. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's wrestling, so who knows? Yeah, 
uh, you know, maybe it's a giant work. Maybe it's going to be Mario Ranello versus uh, JBL at SummerSlam. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You know? <laughs> Mario Ranello comes out on SmackDown this week and he just be- busts JBL with the chair and, and sits down at the desk. So did you see that? Yeah, that was a slobber knocker. Now yeah. that now I'm mixing my announcers. Anyway, there's there's you, you never know. Um, oh, uh, I don't know that we ever elaborated on this. Uh, just real quick before we leave the wrestling subject. Uh, Jim Ross, uh, I believe, signed a two-year deal with WWE. We did talk about it last week and, when we talked uh, about WrestleMania. I, I, I mean, I knew that we he signed a deal, but it's it's for two years. Nope, we talked. And yeah. uh, um, um, I know he's still going to be doing the New Japan thing. Uh, WWE and, and uh, Access TV both were uh, cooperative about letting him fulfill the, his contract yeah. uh, with them as well. And uh, he's been uh, talking about being open to basically do whatever they ask him to at this point so long as he's able to do the new Japan uh, tapings uh, on his, not his most recent podcast, but the one last week um, that I listened to, he, he talked quite a bit about the deal. That deal came together Friday before WrestleMania. Like that was, yeah, that's crazy, quick. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay guys, that's the show for this week. If you want to tell us uh, all your feelings about the last Jedi trailer or any of the things we talked about, you can find us on Twitter at whatever show, uh, facebook.com slash whatever show. And we got the emails and all that in case you want to talk to us there. Uh, questions at whatever.co. If you want to give us all the money, uh, Reebok or other sponsors, I think at this point, Lucasfilm owes us a cut. Um, yeah. We are uh, sponsors at whatever.co. Um, here's the other thing, too. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I think Eddie has put some thought into it as well. We're going to try and figure out how to stream this live, I think, at some point, and maybe even throw up some video when we do it. Maybe. Um, yeah. We just got to figure out how to do it and um the amount of thought and effort we put into figuring that out depends on the feedback we get from you guys so if you guys want to leave us comments um possibly a five-star rating uh, on itunes please do so um use the email and facebook addresses that we've given you twitter to reach out to us and and say hey you know what yeah we would like to see you two retards do this yeah you know, we'd, we'd love live. to give you five dollars or whatever and make that happen yeah um all right guys we will see you next week all right later